The following podcast is proudly brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen. And also use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off windows, keys, and die shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website at cdkeyoffer.com. Now on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and today I'm joined by someone who's already been on twice. It's always been a fantastic discussion that ebbs and flows from usually a few subjects we've laid out into many more connected to them because he has such a deep knowledge just not only on developing games, but on utilizing the hardware to run games and how that actually works and clearing up misconceptions and Looking around at some Alchemist stuff coming out now, I couldn't think of a better person to have on to discuss it. Um, but of course, first, even though you've been on twice, tell everybody, who are you? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm Brian Heemskirk. I'm the art director at Massive Damage Games. So um, yeah, I worked in a lot of different engines, I've shipped a bunch of games. Um, yeah, I've worked in the game industry for about 10 years now. So uh done mobile, done console and whatnot, done PC development. Um, my jobs are primarily art-based, but I've been unusually obsessed with the tech side. So having a like barrage of render techs and programmers and whatnot, I'm always keen to get the most information from all of them. And usually when I go to the game conferences, I try to look for even more information. So anyways, that just kind of puts me in a unique position amongst a lot of artists. Um, so that's me for the most part. Yeah, and you... You say like atypically you're interested in this stuff, and I usually bring that up at the beginning of the episode as well, that it is rare to find someone who's interested in optimizing this stuff that it isn't their entire job. It's usually someone puts their head down, this is the aisle I'm walking down, whereas you you seem to really want to understand why things are going wrong or going right. Well, I work with a lot of devs and I've been told that I'm absurd, at least from like a tech perspective, because they've worked with a lot of artists, like all of them have worked at different studios at different points in time, with lots of artists and artists, you know, half of the artists, you mentioned something like ambient occlusion or whatever subsurface, well, not the most of the subsurface scattering, but they might not, when you start talking about, oh, you know, draw order or your, your Z buffer, you start getting into specific aspects of rendering. They'll just be like, I'm out. Let me know what to draw and I'll catch you later. But I'm much more interested in kind of asking and following that pipeline and saying, hey, what do you mean by this? Where does this go? What is this? What are the implications of this? What is the trade-offs of this? If we give this, what do we get here? What do we have to compromise to get what we want in the game? So an opening reader mail I have here before we really get into it. Timo H writes in. He says, Hi Tom and Brian. Last time Brian was anxious that they couldn't get any graphics cards in the studio to make uh, their games on the newest hardware. Has the situation improved recently? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's been a, we actually, we used to build all our own computers. So we would build when we had new staff or whatnot, we'd build custom rigs, but we ended up having to partner with um, other companies to get complete rigs just to get the good, for a while you couldn't get a decent GPU at a decent price and t unless you had it all pre-built. So we kind of were forced into the pre-built scenario for a bunch of them, but it seems to be working out okay. There's a bit more thermal issues, but it's it's mostly fine. 
Yeah, I remember during, I think this had to have been late 2021, I had on one of the heads of the studio that's working on upcoming Dune games. Mm. And he like talked about how sometimes they'd show off a PC running a build and people were tweeting at him. I can't get any graphics cards. Why are you bragging about this? Like whatever you have. And he's like, you have no idea how many months it took us even to get this graphics card just to be able to program the game. Like we're in the exact same boat as all of you guys. Yeah, it's it's been very difficult. It was for a period of time extremely difficult to get graphics cards. Um, and you got to keep in mind too that devs need more hardware than gamers because they're running apps simultaneously. Because oftentimes I'm running like Maya or in ZBrush with Unreal or Unity with Photoshop open. So I mean, there's very few gamers that are running all of those apps simultaneously. So there is kind of a need to over hardware in that space. And we're not talking about like miners, like thousands of GPUs that you'd be buying. We're talking about like a studio of 20 to a hundred people that would need that GPU to make your next game. Right. Or hopefully a game that you might play. When I'm like make editing a video, I will sometimes be checking something, making sure everything was implemented correctly. And then at the same time, I am putting together a thumbnail on another app that actually is putting in 3d models to make the picture for the thumbnail. And, you know, people, when I'm gaming, I rarely actually need more than eight gigabytes of RAM to this day. But no, I the 3070, which I've already covered, I've already upgraded to a 3090 that I got for half the MSRP almost. Um, yeah. It's already made a difference. Like 24 I just, gigs. Yeah, yeah. And, and and like there were things that I just wasn't sure why this app would sometimes crash or get unresponsive, even though in uh, the task manager, it would say it wasn't using all of the VRAM. It clear all of a sudden now it's just using over 12 gigabytes at all times when I'm using these apps. And it's like, so like maybe it was at seven gigabytes, but it, it was an issue the whole time. I haven't had any app rendering anything crash for since I've gotten the 3090. It's clearly just got more than enough. And having more than enough is 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 really important anytime you multitask, even if the software is making it seem like you don't need more, I would say. Yeah, it's kind of it's interesting that you say that you I mean, obviously a lot of hardware would just, a lot of software would just scale to the hardware you have. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these programs, they'll steal as much buffer of memory as they can, and then they'll steal hard drive space to compensate for whatever they can't grab. So it's kind of dynamic, but your apps will be noticeably slower. I find that oftentimes I'll end up being, um, I'll run a game or I'll run, sorry, I'm running like a program. Let's say I'm doing a bake of light maps or something in engine, then that's going to use so much GPU resources, but I'll have some other application over and I'll do work on the lowest common denominator. You know, I might have to draw a texture or something like that. And I'll, I'll try to optimize my workflow. So having some overhead in hardware is super useful for that. Interesting enough, when we were building the computers for our work, um, when we were getting the computers for our work, we went half 5950Xs and half uh, 11900Ks. Mm-hmm. But we have had some overheating issues with the 11900Ks. Some people's hard drives just stop running at certain points in time just because there's so much heat in the case that at some points in time. So we're seeing some interesting things. I mean, no, 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 but I've seen fine. that before too, where I check my temperatures in my case, I check everything's going well. And depending on the card I have, um, some cards do a better or worse job of actually getting the heat out of the case. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually a lot of the founders Ampere cards were actually pretty good at making half the heat go out of it. And before that, I had a card I tested that just blew all of it into the case with these massive fans. And there was like one 120 millimeter fan at the top of my case that was like making an odd noise. So I just unplugged it for a week. It's like, whatever, this 
I don't yeah. think I'm pushing my case super hard anyways. I noticed weird stability things. And when I plugged it back in, they went away. And I'm like, you, you'd think things would just throttle if they got too hot. You know, the VRMs weren't getting too hot. But this fan just over the VRMs was clearly making some difference to stability that I wasn't expecting. So I, I can imagine. Sorry, um, I find with pre-builds, the issue is storage, actually, a lot of the time. Interesting. When, when there's too much heat in the case, sometimes MVMAs just disappear from your, if they get too hot and there's not proper heat dissipation, sometimes they just will disengage and you'll be like, oh, I lost access to whatever my my cache is or whatnot. So there is some difference. It's 90% of the time it's fine, but there are some edge case scenarios that are kind of interesting when you have essentially two identical pre-builds with the only variance being the CPUs, the GPUs of the but then the people with the Intel CPUs have just, we've seen a little bit more of like hard drives just not rendering, like not, um, sorry, I can't think of the term right now, but not just, it's not visible in Windows until they turn it off and cool it down for a bit. And then all of a sudden it comes back on. And, and you're sure it's specifically like a radiator or something blowing hot air from the i9 into the case or do you think there's a chance the cpu is just getting hot and some part of that controlling the hard drive just became unresponsive yeah i think it just might be total heat dissipation that there's just there's just that little bit pushing even more heat into the case and then it's, it's being pushed out but it's just the ambient temperature is probably up by you know five or ten degrees but it's just enough to start getting a little bit more weirder stuff between the two but they, i mean they both run really great they're very good pieces of hardware it's just interesting to kind of see when we 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 literally we got half of the staff one or the other and we've just been kind of checking all we've been checking is who's been having more problems so we haven't been you know asking no oh, you know are you so much slower or whatnot it's just when we get hardware faults where they seem to be lying so it's uh, it's been a little interesting it's we just did like a little test case in our own studio of like 17 people which isn't a huge sample size but it's still kind of interesting when you start getting some of those results well, this starts getting me into a good segue for our main discussion for today, which is, and I, I don't want to do the whole spiel now because I've got a few things I want to say about Alchemist moving forward, but I, I don't know if people understand like when they see me being, per, they say I'm being negative towards Alchemist or something. Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't think it's actually going to hit the targets I leaked it would, what now, two years ago? It's so late. I think it will at the clocks I expect it to need to hit at the clocks I expect it to need to be at, I think it will can will perform in some games like a 3070 or 3070 Ti. That's mm. not my concern. I would prefer it to underperform, but be stable <laughs> than to launch a product that in some cherry-picked things you can point to and say, oh, see, it's this, but then not be able to have 100% confidence if you were to give this to your niece or nephew. Because that's a thing I think about all the time is like when people ask me what they should do, my recommendation isn't exactly the same as if I was giving it to Dan or myself who are enthusiasts. Yeah. It's like, well, if you're willing to do this, actually, this is probably a good option. If I'm giving blanket advice to people, I'm just going to be super conservative and try to tell them to get something that I know will work. Yeah. I don't know that I can do that with Alchemist, though. That's well, the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found myself in the exact same situation with anyone that I know that's going to be doing art production. I would love for AMD to get more market share with GPUs specifically, but I find myself typically recommending NVIDIA GPUs to anyone that I know that's going to be doing any artwork with it, not because of, it's not really a hardware deficiency mm -hmm. at all. It's just the ecosystem is, is so locked down currently 
that it, it might not even be a stability thing, right? You just know the apps will use the NVIDIA thing, right? I've used like games aren't actually the problem. It's all of the art software for the most part. So I I've used whatever, like Blender, Maya, like all of the major all the major engines, all the major, like even Adobe, all the acceleration, all of the things in that are currently more biased towards NVIDIA. They just have way more support for it. So if I know someone's going to be interacting with mm-hmm. any of those, then I'm far less likely to render, recommend even a better AMD GPU at a, a price. If the person's just a gamer, I'll typically recommend an AMD GPU. I'd love to recommend whatever is the best in every circumstance in the playing field to be equal, but I don't want the person that I recommend hardware to to have a bad experience. And exactly. The problem I have with it is I just, I want understanding to be, I I just, I wish the general understanding of hardware was a little bit higher across the board so that we might be able to start to mitigate some of these issues because I, this is kind of the heart of the issue with the Intel Arc issue is the software optimizations, the software layer driver APIs, all of these things, how they perform and what's taking up extra time, weird stability issues, whether acceleration is being taken advantage of. All of these little things come together and they make this picture of a GPU. And yeah, I mean, there's it makes it very hard when you have a new ecosystem. So I guarantee Intel would have loved to have launched Arc in only their own environment with only their own software without having to think of APIs so that mm-hmm. we could get a, a strictly hardware take on what the hardware is capable of. But instead, we are viewing the Intel launch um, as muddied by the entire infrastructure. So, and it's to some extent, it's going to make AMD and NVIDIA look really good because yeah. people, the people complain about AMD stuff, like compared to what Intel is seeing right now, AMD looks like the most competent company on the face of the earth when it comes to drivers. And NVIDIA just looks like godlike. And mm-hmm. Um, and frame times have gotten so much better. Frame times have gotten oh my so God, much. I know. And frame consistency has gotten so much better. So it's it's really interesting to see a launch like this amidst a period where AMD and NVIDIA have really been pushing each other to optimize. Well, yeah, I mean, that's something I talked about with my usual co-host, Stan, on the last Broken Silicon, that I remember all the way back, honestly, God, when I was finally moving away from GC, well, standard old school GCN, shall we call it, to more like mm-hmm. Polaris and uh, Vega stuff. And I said, you know, I got to say this Polaris and then especially the Vega GPU I tested just feels a little smoother at the same frame rates than my old Fury. And I like had a temp, I, I forgot, like something broke. I sent it back to be refurbished. I sold something. And so I was like, oh, I need a graphics card to use for like half a week. I put in the 7970 and I was like, these frame times are not as good as the last two generations. And then when I tested RDNA 1, I said, I only had a 5700, not a 5700 XT. And I was like, well, in the average frame rates, this seems to be like, 30% worse than my Radeon 7, but yeah. I got to say it only feels 10 to 20% worse. Like I was like I noticed immediately even early RDNA's frame times were just better. And and you know, I just recently tested the 6500 XT with a 1650 and a few cards that included the GTX 580, a 3 gigabyte edition, and I was like god 
you guys have no idea how bad frame times used to be. Like we are so spoiled by the consistency now, and even even on consoles as well. I just want to oh, point yeah. out the consoles feel so smooth at sixty now. Compared, I, I think it's funny when you looked at the. I remember looking at like the Xbox three sixty to PS to PC graphics comparisons at the time, and you have a pretty sizable difference. And now when you watch whatever Digital Foundry or uh, the Spanish equivalent that I always watch, Elenet at Bits or whatever, they always have. It, it's you're like seeking the details. It's almost always shadow resolution. It's always mm-hmm. it's little tiny things that you're finding. It's not the visual makeup of the game so much anymore that you even perceive. But I I came from a worse camp than that. So I had forty eight seventy X two Crossfire mm-hmm. GPUs, yeah. two of those in Crossfire, and then so I had four four dies total. I, then four dies total, and I had uh, then I went to seventy eight seventy eight seventies in Crossfire, and then I went to two G four six eighties and then two, two ninety X's, but I had software and I was playing a game. And if it actually had decent frame pacing, then I'd run both. But I remember there was like a custom bit of AMD and NVIDIA software at the time that I would use to manually disable GPUs on or off depending on the game, because the frame times might be so terrible. So we're mm-hmm. the fact that we used to recommend SLI is crazy because the frame times were so terrible. They were insanely bad, but now, now frame times have gotten so much better in most games, which is why we almost forget what it used to be like. And then we pull arc onto the scene and it's like, Oh my goodness, what the, what's going on with these frame times? Well, yeah, that's the funny thing too, because I was uh, talking to a friend of the channel, Igor from Igor's labs, who's doing extensive frame time testing, at least for now, the most extensive I've seen. And he was talking about how bad it felt to play at the same frame rate. And then he like looked at it and it's like, it's, you know, several generations back. I mean, in some games, it, it's performing like GCN 1.0 frame times. But that's the funny thing is you look back and it's like near Polaris or something. And then yeah. you look at the spikes all over the place and you're like, oh, man, even Polaris, we've come a long way since that, you know? Yeah. Well, AMD was operating with like a very little budget trying to fight. It wasn't until they... So... It's kind of interesting. So I don't know if you, um, I sent you the API overhead test, but that's one of the interesting issues that is kind of related to all of this is basically sometimes things take way too much time in a frame and it's so hard to work out what specifically it is. There's so many possible things that it can be. We can get uh, in when you do game development, one of the biggest parts of it is diagnostics. So what happens is, is typically you'll look at your game running on a specific piece of hardware or whatnot, and then you'll pull up your diagnostics and you'll be like, why is this taking up like 10 milliseconds or something like mm-hmm. that? You have a big chunk of time and then you have to optimize that, whether it's, uh, it's draw calls or, you know, you have a bit of transparencies or something in the, the foliage pass when it starts rendering trees, you'll see something like that. And you'll be like, why is this taking up so much time on this piece of hardware versus this piece of hardware? And then you you optimize down from there, which is, I'd be very curious to see with Intel Arc what specifically is happening there. And one of the things that if you look at the the API overhead test I sent you is AMD was getting screwed for a long time on uh, draw calls. So, and this is, these are tests that I ran. So, but one of the big, the big things is if you can see with almost all of the the Radeon GPU. So we have an RX 590 mm-hmm. there. In DirectX 11, you get 2 million draw calls. But this is with a 5950X, so keep that in mind. Um, and But when you go to DirectX 11 multi-threaded, because it had, I'm pretty sure, this is my speculation talking to some people, because of the hardware scheduler, you're already at the GPU. So you don't have an opportunity to try to get more draw calls 
basically worked into the pipeline. But with NVIDIA, when they stripped out the hardware schedule, it gave them an advantage in DirectX 11, 9, and so on. You can get a kind of an extra pass to issue more draw calls, mm-hmm. which is where you get better multi-threading. So we're getting like an additional 50% performance on uh, the the 1060. But if you look at the DirectX 12 and the Mantle draw calls, it's the exact inverse. So it's, it's not a hardware limitation. It's a, a software, it's a driver overhead that's happening with draw calls specifically. And in modern games in DirectX, it's DirectX 11, sorry, DirectX uh, 9, 10, and 11 are getting to be a little unfeasible because the draw call, games are getting more complex and people are expecting a lot of objects in them. But mm-hmm that's just going to make more draw calls. And then game developers typically optimize it by combining meshes or batching as much as humanly possible. But there's a limit where if you want like a big open game or you want lots of stuff in your game, you're going to be creating draw calls for all of that stuff to exist in your space. It's just an instruction telling your your CPU, telling the GPU to draw anything. So, um, but where this gets to be important is you can actually see in the chart that I sent you Mm -hmm. that AMD reduced they optimize like crazy to at least not have the hardware getting worse with the 5700 XT, where yeah. before it went from DirectX 11 single-threaded would ran worse than multi-threaded. So they went down with, you can see it goes down with the Vega 64, it goes down with the 590, it runs worse in multi-threaded than it does in single-threaded, but it doesn't get hurt almost anywhere near as much with the 5700 XT. So they optimized a little bit around it so that they could actually, and they, that would fight with weird issues. I mean, the numbers aren't particularly high. Obviously they would prefer like the C700 XT is getting more draw calls in DirectX 12 and Vulcan there than the 3090 is, but mm-hmm. which is, is interesting. There's lots of reasons that these things could be happening. That's just one part of the pipeline. Draw calls are just a very small part of the pipeline, but it's a very hard thing to optimize for because you're kind of fighting old hardware with new hardware. When you're doing ARC, you you would want to focus on the things that are going to be in the games going forward, but you might not put a bit of hardware in there to mitigate to deal with these old legacy issues. And that could be one reason that I've never seen them like say outright, don't play old games in a kind of, it's a weird thing. Like don't trust the performance in old games, avoid DirectX 11, avoid DirectX 9. It's, it's interesting that they'd even do that, but I would assume this is part of this old problem and probably several old problems associated with older APIs coming into play. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I'll skip ahead then here um, to just directly talking about what's going on with these software versus hardware in uh, Alchemist. Mazria writes in, he says, provided that Alchemist isn't flawed on a hardware level, do you expect that Intel will deliver the greatest fine wine experience gamers have seen in decades? I can only imagine what those cards could do if they delivered frames consistently and actually worked in DirectX 11 games. And the way I want to frame this, I actually have a lot to say about things kind of before you might even ask this question is just, do you think Alchemist is going to age well? I think we expect it to improve. It's like, well, I would hope it'll improve with more drivers over time. But do you expect it to age in a similar way to Vega? Because that's another question I had a lot of people ask, like, Was Moshman NL asks, is this Vega all over again? Like, do you think this is going to age like Vega? Or or I think the best example is GCN 1.0, where they added like 40% performance over time. Or do you think this will just maybe get more stable, but it's not going to solve the performance as much as people think it will? It really depends on what's causing these frame spikes. I mean, to some extent, NVIDIA and Intel, sorry, NVIDIA and AMD have been cheating on NVIDIA cheating on a greater degree with DirectX 11 
10 and nine games. They have been essentially the reason your driver is so huge is because they're mm-hmm. essentially packing in profiles that are literally changing yeah. all of the render calls. So it's barely even DirectX 11 or 10 or nine anymore. It's whatever, however much engineers that they have at those companies changing lines of code, whenever it's issuing calls to render specific things. And for Intel to go back through like the entire history of games, it would be ludicrous, especially if they can't get the same kind of gains. If there's something in hardware that's slowing down the amount of, uh, like, I don't know whether it's a draw call stall or whether it's transparencies or whatever it is that's, that's sapping the card, it could be, and this is where I would love, I would love for one of the games, like devs of one of the games that have, that have known problems with Arc, just to buy an Arc GPU, throw it in their rig, run their engine, and run some diagnostics on it. Because that would be the most useful thing we could see is where in the profiling it's coming up with these issues. But unfortunately, most people don't, don't love to go back to their old projects. So it's very unlikely. Well, you know, and I will say, let me do this. I kind of want to recap alchemist a little bit because as we discuss what's probably going wrong here uh, a video i'm working on looking at alchemist like a final report on really what you what i think people should expect what they should prepare themselves for what they should be buying into and what is probably just trying to save face i'm like going back through all of my old alchemist leaks for two years that i've been doing and like looking at and i've been noticing these little hints of things that didn't stand out to me before, but now do. And I think where I want to start actually is just asking you generally, and I think this may have been in 2018. It's hard for me to remember anymore, but like 2018, 2019, Intel started announcing they're going to make discrete graphics cards again. And they announced the, you know, Alchemist, the Arc Odyssey and said, we're going to compete with enthusiast gaming and enthusiast gaming and mid-range gaming with our set of, you know, discrete cards that we launch, which I think I need to remind everybody like this DG one was the original beta that yeah. they should have gotten started working on their drivers, yeah, the and drivers and all the like issues that. they're having. Now you would have thought they would have had that their first try. This is their second attempt, everybody. Um, but what did you expect back then before DG one even came out? It, it really depended. I was, you know, seeing the talent acquisition, they had the right talent to do it. I mean, at that time they even, they had Jim Keller, they had, like a lot of really interesting people at the company that could have done very interesting things. But then we'd also, we were coming out of a window of mass stagnation from Intel before any kind of resurgence where we, we watched a company that was literally like a 50th of its size actually competing in hardware, Mm -hmm. which was, it was, it was like a tooth. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so strange that AMD was even able to compete. But so I guess, my personal thoughts were I don't, I didn't know. I didn't know what would happen. I knew that they had the resources. I just wasn't sure if they would be able to pull it all together. And I also know that making a GPU is really hard. Like what we're expecting now from games is, is ludicrous. The amount of frame time that you have before you're trying to get a, mm-hmm. a frame on the screen and all of the, the different render calls, all of the, like when you look at everything that goes into a frame, it's there's, there's so many stages. And then we have optional stages. If we want to build a BVH structure for ray tracing or things like that, there's so many things that can compete for frame time. And there's just, 
you have this fixed function hardware and AMD and NVIDIA have been building little accelerators or ways to look at specific sets of those codes, accelerate those codes for forever. And, and that's not held by one or two of the people that go from AMD to Intel. That's like this weird monolith where all of these engineers are working on an mm, individual This component. hive mind that has been working as a team for decades. Yeah. And you might get a piece of that when you take some of the hires over, but you're not going to get all of it. And and a lot of it too is a lot of the, the designs they're doing now are being tested by AI and stuff outright rather than, so it's like you have one individual that's communicating with an AI to hash out one specific set of instruction sets, how they run, what kind of hardware accelerators you need for that. And then it all comes together into a design at the end. And I, I guess I Intel had the resources to pull it off, but going like trying to go from zero to 30 series in one generation is is kind of, it's a big ask. It's a really big ask. Even on a superior node, it's a big ask. It's it's aggregated tweaks um, and shifts in hardware. We're competing, they're competing with NVIDIA, like doubling the shaders in one generation. Mind you, they're not, now they're much lower IPC than the previous shaders, but still, you know, there's weird little innovations like that, like AMD building their ACE engines and then doing all of that. And then NVIDIA and AMD have been doing back and forth innovation that have been pushing the game industry forward together. And then Intel has to catch up and and releasing to Windows in the API ecosystem would be the worst case scenario. I bet Intel would have <laughs> I bet Intel would have loved to be the hardware in the Steam Deck or something before. Or like a console where they're just programming to the metal. They don't need to worry about any of this stuff. Yeah. Well, because then they'd at least have something to point to. So even if they released the, their PC cards and they didn't perform to spec, they could be like, but look at it here, right? That's something they could have done, but they don't really have any of the design wins right now to, to do that. So it makes it makes the uh, impression of it a little bit harder. I, and this is something that I, I have talked to you about it in the past because a lot of it is perspective. Like Radeon cards have always been better than they performed, right? NVIDIA has been able to get away with giving the least hardware in the Windows space, comparatively. Um, and AMD always had to overspec their hardware to yeah. compete in Windows due to specific issues with the ecosystem. But Intel is kind of facing the worst of both of those fronts. It doesn't have the years of optimization and experience. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the giant array of... And, and like the, the diagnostics, NVIDIA and AMD have at this point in time in terms of noticing common bugs across lots of games, writing drivers. Like there's so many times I bet that one of the driver techs gets an issue in a game that comes up and they just, the way that it's reproducible or the way that it's it's written or that it's documented to them makes it solved at their end very easy. But then they're like, oh my goodness, this has been plugging 50 other games. And then they can take that in the driver and go back over all of those games and make adjustments to them. So they have the benefit of having that much data aggregating for that long. And but I'd like to I'd like to push back on that notion because in, if you go to the Steam survey, the number one GPU market share is Intel. They have oh, yeah. integrated graphics in everything. They've been working on integrated graphics for a decade, and these they graphics have. are not as weak as people act like they are. No. I had a Broadwell APU and a MacBook that I installed Windows on because I couldn't stand Mac OS, and I was able to play Battlefield 4 online on my MacBook with integrated Broadwell graphics. Broadwell really impressed me. And mm. since then, I'm not really sure what's happened. There's been scaling issues, software issues. But I remember this making headlines uh, with Tiger Lake, which is about as strong as an MX350, which is, yeah. you know, about as strong as 
I don't know, a 750 Ti or something, maybe a little better than that. And yeah. you, that's, you know, not nothing. You're getting to close to PS4 graphics at that point, which is still the standard performance. So you'd yeah. think you'd want to optimize that. And I remember a few months ago, they talked about how Halo Infinite still can't boot on Tiger Lake graphics, which is just absurd. I disagree. They have had a decade to they optimize have. their drivers, and they are <laughs> 10 times bigger than AMD. If they haven't gotten this done by then, then I would argue there is a fundamental problem with how this company operates because they have had the biggest GPU market share. Check Steam. They have had a decade to get their shit together. They just haven't. So I guess my argument, not I agree with you, but if I was to play the devil's advocate on some of this, we'd have to we'd have to understand first and foremost what is architecturally fundamentally different between Alchemist and what they've been releasing prior it's to still now. Still based on Gen 12 graphics from Tiger Lake, so it's still, the same like, overall. The cores are the same. The the FP units are the same. The it'd be like calling the Steam Deck RDNA too. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm I'm just I'm curious how much of it's reusable between that or whether the tile, I mean, it could be an issue with the tile infrastructure and the way that they're putting those together. There's, it's yeah, you're right. They should be doing better. Like I fully agree that they should be doing better in this regard, that they, they should have enough data aggregated to be making these decisions. I, but it's weird because it's their driver interface. Like the, I don't even know how they haven't improved their, when you install an Intel driver, it looks like you're installing something from like 1994. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they haven't updated all of their ecosystem to that point. Yeah, like I guess you've kind of stumped me on this one because I because they, they do be they better. do have the most they do have the most people using graphics. We're not saying you need to get 1080p 120 frames, but whatever, even better. You're optimizing for something really weak. Get it to a low level. Scale up the software. AMD is. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does, but it's like it's, when I I have all these old cards that I test and I download at a certain point, there are these cutoffs where it's like, this is the driver for like a 7970. This is the driver for Polaris. But yeah. it's I, I forgot where the cutoff is, but it's like Polaris through Vega. It's the same goddamn driver. We're talking about cards with 4000 shaders and 500. Like this is yeah, yeah. the same driver. They didn't have a different one. Yeah, and this is the same Intel drivers between the two, or are they a new package? I don't think so with Alchemist, but you see what I'm saying, though. It's yeah, like AMD yeah. has cards that are 20 times stronger using the same driver. So there's something to be learned by optimizing to, like, Tiger Lake's graphics and then scaling it up to just what is effectively a discrete Tiger Lake card. Yeah, I, I'm very curious. Like, I would love personally to talk to an Intel engineer to see exactly where, where it's going wrong, what specific, and why it needs rebar why they weren't able to optimize down to essentially smaller packets versus having one big chunk of data coming through. It's, it's very curious to me why it, out of all the architectures, would need that specifically and why it's so critical. This summer, whether you're getting exercise outside or finding ways to stay active indoors like me, it's always nice to have something around that acts as a quick and tasty meal that's also healthy, full protein, and reasonably priced. For me, that's Vite Ramen, who is a sponsor of this piece of content. Vite Ramen is an American company that pays its workers fair wages and crafts a protein and nutrient-dense meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. In fact, it's even quicker now with Ramen Go, a product 
product that offers the same calories and taste as their traditional V3 packages you're probably used to now if you're a follower of this channel, while allowing you to even more quickly make your food or bring it to work for lunch. And they keep updating their recipes, like the new V3 edition of Beef Pho, so you keep having fun new flavors to try. Click the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off a variety of different special bundles just for Moore's Laws at fans that include things like spoons, chopsticks, and more if you so choose. This is a great deal for you, and it helps support this channel tremendously. Seriously, I eat it. It's tasty. It's healthy. It's fast. They keep making even better and better recipes that are quicker and quicker to make, and it's reasonably priced. Try Vite Ramen today. Well, let me start recapping here kind of my Intel odyssey of following yeah. what's going on at the company, because I wonder if he'll bring up any ideas. So I remember the first big leak I kind of had, I, I want to say was in 2019 at some point. This is actually after the first leak started coming out, pointing to a certain amount of execution units per tile. Mm -hmm. I remember I did a video on my channel was really new where I was like, yeah, if they scaled it up linearly, they should be able to beat a 1080 Ti. But then I got a big scoop in 2019 where I had some people, multiple people confirming they had been shown this prototype behind the scenes. You know, these are people who got me Alder Lake information, who got me Redwood Cove information early. These are those types of who told me about Lunar Lake and like all mm -hmm. these other things long before other things. So these are people at Intel. And they said they're showing this thing to select engineers behind closed doors that's beating a 2080 Ti and 4K at this one game. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say which game, of course, but the problem was it seemed to be using a thousand watts. And I thought that was hilarious. And they were like, we think it's at least four tiles, maybe eight. Then the rumors became four. Then the rumors became two, and it became clear that the issue is communicating between the tiles. Their version of Infinity Fabric, whatever that is. Yeah, it, it's just not efficient. And then we get to like, I believe it was like late 2020 where I first leaked that it was going to be on six nanometer, two tiles at most, mm -hmm. and that they wanted to be TSMC's six nanometer launch partner, which is just hilarious because I, I just don't, I think I need to communicate this, guys. They, they wanted Alchemist to come out early 2022 at the latest late 2021 and the 6500 xt launched on six nanometer before them they didn't want that to happen and then in late 2021 i leaked that the specs of what the a770 is now the rough specs 512 yeah. execution units so so i've had the specs for these cards for two years you know they had a 192 bit card actually i was going through one of my old leaks where i said the I think it would be probably what we call the A750 now. Mm -hmm. I said, this seems to be 384 execution unit, 192 bit. And I'm like, it makes sense if you have to disable the yield by 25% to just disable the bus as well. But then yeah. I said in the video, I think it'd be smarter if they just kept the full bus and made it eight gigabytes and beefed it up a little, which it seems like that's what they're going to do. Well, they didn't think they had much of a choice. Yeah. You know, and so you're kind of seeing this thing where they ha always have had the potential. They've always been able to do it but it's not quite hitting something. And then, and this really stuck out to me, which I looked into these notes from early 2022, where one of my best sources was shown a model that he yeah. said was narrowly beating the 3060. And mm -hmm. they said there were two models above it. So again, guys, there, this was the A750 and there were two models above it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now we know they're only going to launch one model above it. And he said back then they were only showing old games. He, they wouldn't show any DX12 games, which is weird to me because everyone's talking about DX12 now, 
when they first showed off around 3060 performance, again, I, w I won't say the exact game, but the example I give that's kind of analogous is what if they showed you Assassin's Creed 3 instead of Valhalla or Odyssey? You'd be like, why are you showing me Assassin's Creed 3? We're like three Assassin's Creed laters. And all the games they showed were like before 2014. Okay, I, I have a couple of things that I can say about some of that. So maybe they wanted to, I'm just trying to track different things that you said. So yeah. when they wanted to be a six nanometer partner, I'm curious whether that has anything to do with their GPUs at all, or whether when, if they have any more trouble on their own nodes, whether they just need to be able to say to shareholders that they have experience to pivot. Mm. Hey, we've already released six nanometer products. If we need to take advantage of six, six, six nanometers, we have experience with that. Just to say to general shareholders, don't freak out. I'm curious with that specifically. Well, they never said it publicly until it was long after that. But I, yeah. I wonder if that's something they wanted to be ready to announce if it was going to happen. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious with that, especially with all of the delays they faced in their own fabrication. The other things that you were saying were, um, I'm curious because obviously there are engines. So when you say Assassin's Creed, I'm curious if um, what the game is. Because, for instance, if it was like Battlefront or if it was uh, Battlefield or was it like an RE Engine game or something like that, there are some really, really amazing optimizations that those games do regardless of the API that I'll, make them run. I'll say it. It was a Frostbite game. I, that's what my guess was. So I was. I'm glad I admitted it here. I, I was about to admit. Yeah. I was about to guess. I'm not going like, to say which series it's from because there are a few of them that they make. But it yeah, was yeah. I, I was unlikely to believe it if it was an Assassin's Creed game because they don't seem to have the same level of optimizations. But if you're talking like a Frostbite game, or if you're talking even Snowdrop within Ubisoft, or something mm -hmm. like. Um, that then i would be like okay they've done really interesting hardware optimizations before and i would be really curious whether there's like some something that they have some acceleration for that that specific game is doing that they can take advantage of like battlefront 2 as a frostbite mm -hmm. game looked better than almost everything else that came out yeah. on pc that year and ran twice as well so there's there's some some APIs have some amount to have effect for sure, but they're not always like DirectX 11 gets rid of a lot of, of potential issues developers can create for themselves in comparison to 12 or Vulkan. And sometimes you make more issues for yourself in rendering than you would, you would be able to gain by the fact that DirectX 12 and Vulkan just let you have access to more power. You can waste that power a little bit easier in those APIs versus like, you know, a really good example of this is Arkham Knight on console, not on PC. So they didn't go to Unreal Engine 4. They stayed on 3 and modified it to push the visual effects they wanted to the moon, as opposed to going to 4, having a new base level of effects, but not being able to do the art direction that they specifically wanted. And sometimes you get very interesting things where, because as soon as you go from Unreal 3 to 4, and it might be possible with some of these older engines, then it's so much more post-heavy, right? You have all of these post-effects. They're going to use a, a bunch of base performance. You have just sometimes the way that the, the pipeline structured could be less performant for specific type of workflows. And some really interesting games that we see historically using an older version of an engine to do really interesting things, or like the original Bioshock did that. Mm. They took the older version of Unreal 3, Sorry, Unreal, it was like 2.5, they called it. So they didn't go to three just so that they could build all of their own custom water tech 
into it and use the performance overhead instead of going to the new engine and having the performance overhead wasted on whatever Epic deemed necessary, you can go mm. back and you can push that to the moon. And uh, which, so the two games I can think of like that are Bioshock and um, specifically uh, the Dark Knight on console. PC is a different story. But yes. um, why I say that is they might have found some optimization in some Frostbite thing. And maybe some, they could have been talking to, because the Frostbite engineers are geniuses. There's some really amazing engineers at Frostbite. And they could have been talking to some of them and they could have done a specific acceleration for a very common graphics feature that whatever Battlefront or or Battlefield could have been using a ton of. And then when you ran those games specifically on their hardware with those optimizations, they could have had massive performance in those specific games. When I was talking to you last time about the Intel Mm -hmm. Arc GPUs, what I said is what Intel has to watch out for is their lowest common perception, not their... NVIDIA enjoys being the standard. A 2070 is a 2070, or a 3070 Mm. is a 3070. For AMD and Intel, people don't perceive it as that. They don't perceive a 6700 XT as a 3070 equivalent. They perceive it as randomly between a 3060 and between a 3070 Ti. It's, it fluctuates in that range. And when I said, and I think, by the way, NVIDIA knew this, and one of the reasons they gave the 3060 12 gigabytes is they knew their fans would compare it to the 6700 XT. Even if the 6700 XT is like, what, 30, 40% better or something? Well, I guarantee if you had those two console, these two cards in a console, they would tell a very different story. It'd be very interesting to see what those two specific cards, when they're each their own baseline, separate from each other and optimized. But the ecosystem unfortunately lets nvidia be the standard which is a a good thing for nvidia but intel is facing that even worse than amd so amd deals with the difference between being perceived as a 3050 to a 3070 ti sorry 3060 to a 3070 ti with the 6700 xt and uh intel could be dealing with like 2060 Hmm. to yeah 3060 or like even worse a 2050 in some cases and people will have a hard time when because if they happen to want to play a specific game let's say something that always runs terribly like PUBG or whatnot on most hardware, whatever the game is, there'll be a game that doesn't run particularly well on certain hardware, but it just happens to be the game you play. And you're like, you see someone that spent the same amount of money on a GPU and their game runs so much better. Then those are the things that Intel always had to watch out for. And it ended up being, that was the thing that I thought was oddly prescient. I watched yours in my last talk again, mm-hmm. when we were talking about that. And I was like, yeah, I was really worried. I wasn't worried about, intel's peak performance and what it matched i was really worried about how wide their threshold of variance was going to be between being compared to an nvidia card well yeah and you know i expected there to be all different types of outcomes i knew what their goal was and i think if people go back and watch my videos i've always been pretty clear intel wants to hit the 3070 or 3070 ti Mm -hmm. i can't promise you they'll succeed that was their goal and i always thought it wouldn't surprise me if they had a card that like oh once in a blue moon it's that good but on average it slightly loses to the 3070 but it works what we're getting is something that is underclocked a little below a 3070 on average but it's just not stable and i think that's so much worse than falling short like what you fail short lose gracefully and it's fine just price it correctly my problem is it doesn't seem like they're quite willing to lose gracefully they they keep trying to have their cake and eat it too especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to their talk about dx12 stuff so i'm going to ask this question here lee schaub writes in and he says without a doubt the alchemist launch is not without its achilles heel whatever it may be 
In a video with Linus of Linus Tech Tips about the A770, he explained that the performance or lack thereof is mostly due to DirectX 12 support, and any title using a previous version of DirectX is likely to not fully utilize the Alchemist card. While I appreciate the background information, I like to see the effort Intel is making to set expectations. I'm wondering if this is merely an attempt to save face at an underwhelming product, or maybe if Intel is actually right and making graphics card and goods drivers is just really hard without experience. Well, they've had over a decade, guys, and the number one market share, so they've had experience, in my opinion. But what do you... Both of you think, is Intel lazy or making GPUs hard? Well, I, I think we can just answer is making GPUs as hard, and I don't think they're necessarily lazy. But, I, yeah. but he brings up DirectX 12. This is my problem, though. The titles they showed off early this year were DirectX 11 or earlier. Yeah. Now they're saying don't run games on that. That's not what they were saying before. They could have had even worse outcomes than they thought they were. They could have been testing a small sample of games where they actually managed to get things mostly under control, very common games. And then when they went a bit wider, they realized there was even more problems than they initially realized. The other thing, like I, I mentioned this, and I think in my first talk, but I randomly got seated next to one of the lead art artists on Red Dead Redemption 2 on a plane. And mm -hmm. when I whispered to him, you know, it must suck to have your games uh, badmouthed for unoptimized when you have a uh, API overhead issue with draw calls. And he's like, how did you know? So, and that's the reason Red Dead 2 released on PC, my, in my guess, my estimation, the reason why it released with no support for DirectX 11, because they didn't even want to deal with that in an open world game. So to some extent, there is a, a movement in the hardware industry and AMD for forever wanted mm -hmm. DirectX 11 and 10 and nine to die. It wanted that. And because it was in the same boat Intel's in by, because it couldn't go back and get more draw calls in there the same way that Nvidia could. And what people don't understand most of the time is that that creates a stall in the pipeline. So if one thing's taking particularly longer, you have less time. Imagine this is a frame, right? And your draw call section is like this or like this, or like this. That leaves less time to do everything else. You, you're literally cutting into the frame time that exists to do other things. So when you have an API overhead advantage for one GPU vendor versus another, that's not a hardware issue. Because the question is, if we ask the Intel engineers if it's better than a 3060 or 3070, it may be. And if we had the engineers talk, I'm sure they'd be really respectful to each other and be like, oh, you did that? That's amazing. You did that? That's amazing. There'd be really insightful things in that. But when the ecosystem doesn't actually allow you to view these things, and, and most people aren't aware of how those variances in time make such a big difference in overall performance, that if something just takes up more time, you have less time to map your textures, less time to draw all of your, whatever, your, do your shader effects, all less time to throw your particles on screen. You have, you're, you're dealing with this shrunken window of time. And this is where these issues compound. I don't think AMD, I don't think NVIDIA, like to some extent, it's the prevalence of DirectX 11 games is really hard for any new hardware vendor coming in. It's going to make things almost impossible. It is, to some extent, you could say, well, in Intel's case, if it was another company, you'd forgive them a little bit more. If, like, whatever, Qualcomm decided to release, like, a discrete GPU or whatnot, I don't even know, <laughs> just some company decided to release, or Pika, let's say the 3DS GPU developer decided to throw their, their hands back in the ring and do a big GPU. Um, let's say that someone like that did that. You'd forgive them for the lack of DirectX 10, 9, 11 support. 
but you wouldn't forgive Intel because they do have, they're so big and they should be able to compensate for it in some way. Just throw more engineers on it. Mind you, a thing to keep in mind and game studios knows this, know this as they scale is there's only some efficiency Mm -hmm. in scaling you gain. So to some extent, these monolith these giant companies face a problem because they get less utility with each new employee they hire. It's like a, you you lose. So you might be like, throw more and more and more engineers on the problem. But NVIDIA has this down to like a crazy pipeline in terms of their communication with game devs. They have like an infrastructure. So when they do new hires, they throw someone in there and they know exactly what they're doing. There's no time lost in communication. They already have the link set out to the game developers to make the adjustments on that front. They have the history of all of that. But when Intel is doing it, they're not coming into it with the same ecosystem in place. So even if they triple or quadruple higher up, even if they hired three times as many people as NVIDIA had on it, I would imagine that their utility is like 20 to 30% of what an NVIDIA hire would be at the same thing, just because the way that they set up their infrastructure is is so established and their pipelines, their links to all of the community are so established where there's probably innately a lot more floundering with any of the other companies when they're trying to compete. Yeah, when I joined General Motors, um, I was thrown into one of the validation groups and I had two senior engineers who are veterans of the company for, I think, at least 20 years each, and their boss, who was a veteran. And they knew immediately everything I could do or couldn't do. They could, there were two of them. If I had a question, if one of them wasn't there, there was another one and their boss. Like, Mm -hmm. and they knew exactly where to go and not just where to go, but who to talk to. Like literally the name of the person who handles that one thing you need to know about to do your job today. Go talk to this engineer. They're handling this thing on this seat or whatever, you know, like, and that type of hierarchical historical knowledge isn't, Here's the thing, though. Isn't it there at Intel? They've had a decade of making graphics, though. No, they don't have the the specific aspect that I was referring to was the reach to developers. They don't have the same they don't have the same infrastructure in terms of like contacts. Like I go to GDC and before I know it, I'm having drinks with three NVIDIA outreach people. Right. I I'm not I did never had the same experience with Intel. They don't have mm-hmm. the same the same cachet with game developers. They don't have the same experience with game developers. And they it's hard. If you hire a new hire, right? Let's say you hire someone, but you have contacts at whatever. Uh, let's say you have contacts at Bethesda. You have contacts at this. And you'd be like, hey, you're the new guy, but here's my contacts. Talk to them and see where you can help them. Or if you're at Intel, you might come in and that person would be like, oh, well, here, uh, maybe try to get some communication with Bethesda. It's way different from the outside trying to reach in to Bethesda without having that point of contact and having the established relationship and having maybe an already preset code base that you've already integrated or communicated on and having the, the one of the biggest things that people don't understand, uh, I think for the most part, is when you talk to devs, how important documentation is. Documentation mm-hmm. is the thing they come back to more than almost anything else. They'll If they are having to implement a new feature, if they have to deal with whatever, DLSS, or um, FSR or whatever. Let's just say even NVIDIA Hairworks versus TressFX. And one of them could be better, could be a better integrated thing. But if one of the devs comes across it and they're like, they look and there's just so much more documentation for one versus the other, they're going to go with the one with more documentation eight times out of 10 because it's much more clear cut and they have something to refer to if they're going to have trouble with it. And it's really hard. I don't think Intel has the same level of, of that kind of infrastructure established. 
I like but, I see that all the time. This gets us back to the fine wine hypothesis of what might happen. And Taiwan number one writes in and he says, Hi, Tom and Brian. What would be the incentive for devs to optimize their games and apps for Intel's graphics cards, given that they will likely gain very little market share this generation? And that's the thing is like, and this was told to me months ago too, like, look, Alchemist is about getting widespread support, making sure it's perfect before we launch Battle Mage. But from what we're discussing, it's like, yeah, but is that going to happen? Are devs even going to bother when the performance is like this and they don't? And again, it kind of gets me back to like this thing I sometimes say, like, I don't care what the issue is. Yeah. Is it going to be fixed? Because if it's, oh, they don't have enough outreach, are they going to fix that? Are devs going to pay any attention to them? Do we have any evidence this is actually even going to get better? Like, do you think it's get, like how much of that fine wine for GCN was because it was in the consoles and AMD was reaching out to developers? Well, some of it, they couldn't even take advantage of all of the fine wine from the consoles. And I, I think I talked about this last time, but there's specific fine wine that's blocked out because of all of the the infrastructure issues that you face on PC. So you get a certain amount of fine wine. In the, the main high fine wine, like 80% of the fine wine that I saw with Radeon, some of it was RAM. They just gave more RAM in every given SKU, but it's not the biggest component of it. The biggest component was AMD was losing about 40 to 50% of all of its hardware's performance to API overhead. And NVIDIA was able to claw it down to about 10% with drivers. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening, the reason you have fine wine is, let's say, let's just, I'm, I'm not saying this is the case, but let's just use them as an example because everyone knows these two GPUs. Let's say in theoretical performance, of RX 490 or 590 is like this and a 1060 is like this, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're losing 50% of your performance in a game and NVIDIA is only losing 10%, it looks like this even if the hardware is inverted. So, and this is a a situation that we face that is faced all the time. They couldn't optimize around that to an insane degree. But what happens with NVIDIA is as their cards get legacy and the new games don't actually bother to optimize for the legacy GPUs, they Mm -hmm. start losing the same 40, 30 to 40% of their GPUs. And then part of the fine wine is that the GPUs, like as NVIDIA is starting to lose that percentage without clawing it back on a per driver basis for all those games, then the AMD cards look better in comparison. Some of it is that AMD was forward thinking with specific GPU features, specifically half floats, asynchronous compute, things like that, that technically meant that if you used all of the features in uh, a RX 590 compared to a 1060, if, if you were using just the DirectX 11 features, maybe they were more equal. But if you're actually using async and then on Vega using half floats, let's say, the potential goes up quite a bit. And then they're no longer even cards. They're, and the difference is, and then obviously NVIDIA is enjoying the advantage in the exact opposite with ray tracing right now. They have a ray tracing hardware advantage. So when games start to use more and more ray tracing, and as it becomes a standard, they're going to enjoy the advantage in the fine wine in that regard. Like the, 20, the 30 series will age probably better than the 6000 series, not because they're not both amazing. They are. There's really amazing engineering in both of them, but because they're ray tracing techs ahead, and when that becomes a staple in game development, they're going to invert the other way. Now, the question is whether in, in video, sorry, whether, but then the opposite also happens. We talked about this last time where you called me out on AMD's true audio. So technically mm-hmm. moving the audio off, and that was a feature that wasn't utilized. Whereas asynchronous compute was so loved by game developers that it became a standard, right? Half floats is something that they were actually used to in older generations, like the 500 
NVIDIA series and prior that they got rid of and they just standardized the floats across the board and then they realized they can do mixtures of workloads, both for uh, AI and lots of things. There was reasons to have both from a, a server perspective and a desktop gaming perspective to you know, flag specific workloads for a certain amount of computational intensity. And then that can gain performance advantages. That was very forward thinking. So AMD implemented it first and it gained find wine by having features that did become standard. When there's features that aren't standard, those never become fine wine. So the question mm. really is, is Intel using things that are for that are looking forward? Are there specific accelerator blocks on the the CPU on the GPUs that are being taken advantage of to do specific instruction sets really quickly that we haven't seen their full extent of use. I don't know. I'd have to talk to an Intel engineer. I'd have to see, cause I'd be very interested if you're like, Oh, actually this specific type of workload that we know is like 70 to 80% of game workloads. We put a, like a specific, whatever instruction set that handles that perfectly and accelerates that. And there's a set of memory right there for it. So it always, like whatever they've done, it doesn't make a difference what they've done, but if they've done something, something like that. That's where the fine wine comes from. Part of it is, yeah, if you're not, if you're eliminating things like RAM bottlenecks, so it'll eventually reach its potential. Part of it is API overhead, where you're not, when everything is losing the same amount of API overhead, then you actually kind of get to see where the cards actually play out. And in consoles, it's the same thing. If you put those two GPUs in a console, you get to experience the same thing. And part of it is the, the other thing, that some features are actually going to become standards. And when those features become standards, then that's going to get, that's going to become the fine wine. But let me know if you think that I'm wrong with this like hypothesis on what could be going on with Alchemist here, which is they showed off this stuff, you know, that it was mostly older games that were optimized probably to take advantage of CPUs, like a Frostbite game, mm -hmm. without needing DirectX 12. Yeah. And they, you know, this was right when they were starting to manufacture the cards. Like, I have the manufacturing schedules. They were manufactured from January through March. They're done. They, they've made all the cards they're going to make in this existing run mm -hmm. months ago. So I assume they're just sitting in a warehouse somewhere waiting to be packaged and sold. Okay, but then why did they not start showing off little things sooner? Because it was so weird. There were like these months between like March and June where you're just going, well, I know they've made them. They're not showing anything. What, and, and, and right now, Right now, I would argue they're not saying anything right now, right? Like Brett Summers says, right now, Intel is saying everything and yet nothing at the same time. They're showing the 750. And they haven't even let Linus say what the specs are yet or show real frame time graphs. Yeah, yeah. Same with um, Gamers Nexus. Um, so like, so, but my argument is, my I, I'm worried what's happened is they thought it would just take time to make the drivers. The drivers took half a year to a year longer than they expected. And it's still they not what they wanted. They manufactured the cards, and then they realized a month ago they're never going to fix it. Like, so we just need a launch, and that's why we need to stop. That's why we're not launching the A780, which I, again I've double checked just for people know uh, with people that was definitely a planned card <laughs> that they just canceled. You know, like, and so if they have this driver overhead that they thought they'd fix. They realize they can't fix it. They've already made the cards. Uh, let's just launch mid-range and lower because anything higher is going to have tons of CPU overhead anyways. Uh, and then you look at the DirectX 11 they showed off. They thought DirectX 12 would fix it. It didn't, but now they're saying you still need it, even though the first games they showed off behind doors were not newer games. 
Well, the I don't know. Cell is the resizable bar thing because you're basically rolling out all older CPUs. So if it performs terribly, it, but it requires, it's not performing terribly, it's performing strangely, but it requires mm-hmm. modern high-end CPUs that it, okay, I think the only thing that we're missing in that entire window of conversation is that they thought they're going to be launching to a different ecosystem. They thought, they didn't know that uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum were going to collapse they didn't know, like value-wise, what that was. They were expecting to have the drivers good enough and come in as a price savior, even if the performance is exactly as it lies right now. They thought if they were half the price, because everything was so inflated and they had a stockpile of GPUs. That this is me speaking, like I know what the heck they're doing. I don't know. This is me speculating wildly, and this whole conversation mm-hmm. is very speculative. So sure. some people probably know a lot more than me on on this front. But regardless. They thought they were probably going to hit a window and they were going to get a lot of grace for just being in that. And that window disappeared without them really predicting it. And they thought, and this is, it's a weird thing because sometimes you might think, oh, it's three months isn't a big deal, but it can be a big deal. Oh my God, it's such a big deal. And, you know, I want to be clear that again, like even like with it, you've seen some people come out and admit they're Intel engineers kind of in some communities. And they're like, we truly did think we'd have a 3070 competitor in quarter one. And the difference did. Yeah. The, well, and the, that's something I've tried to explain too about Intel's foundry issues with 10 nanometer. You guys got to understand that the people designing Alder Lake, the people designing Ice Lake, they thought 10 nanometer would be ready in 2019, 2018. It, it's the foundry people that were lying to the hardware people that made all of this happen. And so you could see like the hardware people at Intel with the software people. But again, I, I'm not entirely convinced it's just a software issue. If If you have this 11, then 12, then out of nowhere, oh, we're launching and we canceled the top model, but we don't want to admit there was a top model. There's a part of me wondering if they've realized too late there's a fatal hardware flaw and this is never going to be able to perform at a certain point. Well, this was the talk around RDNA 1, where they kept delaying RDNA 1. That If we go all the way back, the window of time between Vega and RDNA, there was, it was a, a, which is interesting because as soon as they sorted out RDNA, their cadence has been right back on track. But prior to that, when there was doubts, and there's so many things where when you hear the engineers uh, or you hear like the byproduct, the after talk about this, there's lots of times where there's things where it's just taped out and that's for the next GPU, like, or the next CPU. You hear that with the Ryzen. They're like, as soon as we finished Ryzen 1, we're like, and and even uh, Jim Keller said this himself in a couple of interviews, where they, they create a pathway. So they know what the limitations of this product is, but in their roadmap, they know that once they get a, a little bit more transistor space or whatever, a memory advancement, they can also do these ones. And then they have their own roadmap that mm-hmm. intends on specific plans. And when we're talking, and this is a, a huge... And I see this, I see this compartmentalization in game development because it's weird because gamers talk about game developers as a monolith, but game developers are a sea of teams, right? Art is often very separate from design, which is separate from dev, which is separate from uh, like PR and HR and all of the other aspects of the game company. And even, you know, the people who do the wheeling and dealing and selling all of that. And they're, if they're isolated, you meet, you talk between them. But when you're talking thousands of employees, there's no way you can have a complete understanding between those different groups. Mm-hmm. And engineering could have totally nailed this. They could have solved lots of things. They can have a better product than we're seeing right now or we're capable of perceiving. And that software was never able to take advantage of it in the way that it either that they engineering tackled some things and maybe they have some really brilliant innovations that will make them fine wine, like specific types of acceleration that when we see like, I'm curious, has anyone tried running UE5 with 
arc yet. I'd be. I well, mean, so I'm, that's the weird thing. It's like, and I was talking to Igor again at Igor's Labs about like I, I have a lot of fans of mine complaining about like the lack of encoding professional CAD benchmarks out there, and he's like, it's because half of the stuff crashes. Like we would test it yeah. <laughs> if it wouldn't crash. Like that's why you're seeing only game benchmarks, guys. Yeah, that that's that's really strange to be getting that much crashing. But this is it is something that we see with with hardware across the board, it's that engineering could have done this, or they could have done something really interesting that requires game developers to do a bit of optimization. The thing is, is what I was saying earlier, when I'm talking to, if NVIDIA sent me an email, right. Mm -hmm. With a contact that said, Hey, whatever I would be like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll talk to you. If AMD did, I would say, cool. If Intel did, I mean, I probably would myself, but I think 80% of art directors would be less likely to, and, or whatever, game developers in general, like different people at different studios. It's, they understand, and the current market base is obviously going to be a huge, like I sat in an Alienware, it was an Alienware talk with game devs where Alienware was asking all the game devs tech questions. And this was at round Ryzen third gen. And they were just then like Alienware being like, what is your guys' perception of Ryzen? Right? So this is like three generations in that. So the marketing that they were so delayed in terms of integration, mm -hmm. if you can imagine something being essentially three years behind on a hardware that was starting to actually gain a lot of momentum at that point in time, you can kind of imagine that with Intel's first generation of GPU, what the ramp up would be and what the, the second. And, Yes, a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like people give Intel a company ten times bigger than AMD too many breaks on this. Like, okay, second. You know, so, but go they didn't on, really. They didn't intentionally like they kind of quarantined DG One themselves. They started mm -hmm. to ramp up and then they didn't. And I think that there's also been a huge marketing shift. I think the big threat that we're missing in this conversation so far is Apple has modernized marketing in a specific way. Whether you like or dislike Apple, they have basically cemented the uh, don't say anything you're not going to do in six months in the game in the game industry, in the tech industry. Yeah. And this is it's fine to put it on a roadmap, but a roadmap isn't concrete. They They intentionally have blocks of time for variants, right? There's, there's windows where you can do that. But when you go and have a conference and show something like this in front of the screen, you need to have it in people's hands within six months now. That's the standard. And if Intel knew that they were, they were missing that opportunity and they already, you talked about when they showed some artists did some some several artists yeah yeah did renders of gpus and they then they saw that the gamer public was being hyped up about it so then they hired one of them i think to design them and then they showed that off way too early they showed that design off way too early and then they've been eating that's like some things can exist and do that like nintendo has earned the right to show zelda four years early but they don't do that with pikmin they don't do that with some of their own franchises. There's some games that people were willing to wait for. People want to know that there's a new GTA out there. They want to know that there's a new Red Dead. Yeah, and I always find of. that so funny. Like, again, one of, I guess one of the biggest leaks that got me notoriety is when I said like a month before it was announced, the new God of War is going to be announced at their upcoming event. And everyone's like, that's too early. And then it happened. And they're like, I can't believe Morse Lost had got that right. And I'm like, well, do you not think they're making another God of War? Like, what are you yeah, talking yeah. about? You yeah, know? exactly. They're not going to make one of these? They're one of like, the that's biggest That's the franchises. safest thing I said. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I didn't think I'd get any traction. And that was the one no one could believe, you know? That's so weird. But this is the thing is, is more people are keeping products closer to their chest 
for longer. And this is a recent trend that I've seen shift even in the last 10 years. It went and just too many, whatever, The Last Guardians or Kingdom Hearts 3s or <laughs> whatever else. Final game. Fantasy versus. So it, I, I want to come back, though, to this. Like, we can talk about mistakes that have been made before, like poor Volta advertising for Vega. Mm-hmm. But that was like one thing from AMD, also under Raj Kadori, by the way, <laughs> that overhyped Vega. Yeah. But I got to say, when Vega was about to come out, they were pretty clear about it, though. They were like, here it is. It's compared to a 1080. We're not going to pretend it's anything but that. And yeah. that was that. With Alchemist, my problem right now with the marketing is I think a lot of people are looking around and they're like, oh, well, they're being more modest and they're being straight shooters. And for, from what I've seen in documentation that I've received in the past week, because I don't think people get this, like, Ryan Shrout lying that there wasn't an A780 has stirred up the hornet's nest. I just, if Ryan hears this, I just want you to know your own employees don't like that you are lying and they've sent me a ton of documentation. So I have proof you lied. I just want everyone to know that he's lying and I now know more about their release schedule. They haven't told you the specs of the A750 publicly, guys. AIBs don't know shit. Like yeah. I'm telling you guys, this isn't coming out next week. And no. so I don't think people under, and I'm not even, I'm, I'm probably going to delay the video a week because I'm just too high. I'm just too, I got to, I got to like blow off steam with a, a easier video before I like put some effort into this. But like, yeah, this isn't them being modest. They're yeah. still, I hate to, they're overhyping it, even though it seems like they're putting down hype. And now they're telling everyone a bunch of specifics that they're going to have to answer for in a month when they still don't have a graphics card out. Yeah. This is, I think that everyone could always, it's easier to forgive a company that is at least being a little humble or a little willing. And they almost were. They almost were. They almost were. And it's harder to forgive Intel on the same front because, and this, I think this is the problem when you have pride in one front. Like Intel, obviously, they feel like they own PC hardware and they have a specific perspective around that. And I guarantee that there are, Brian Schroet's a really interesting example. That's that. That name itself carries a lot of weight with it. But when it comes to... <laughs> yeah. When it, when yeah. Comes again, to, anyone siding with Ryan Shrout, ask anyone who's worked with him what, he, what they think of him. But well, let's it keeps get getting worse somehow. But it's, uh, it's interesting when you're talking about um, the perception and whatnot. I mean, the people... I mean, the, uh, the other guy, I've seen him, the NVIDIA guy that works at Intel now that's been in all of the... He's been going around. He's at least a little bit more humble. You the can Tom tell that, guy? Tom, yeah, like he's just. Oh wants yeah, to talk about I have nothing bad to say about him. Yeah, Tom seems to always have um, really interesting takes. He's he's excited about what you know, what's in a tile, what what the execution units look like. Well, he's happy to talk about those aspects of things. You know, it's it's kind of weird when you have someone that doesn't seem as uh, well suited for marketing coming out and doing the marketing, but you need like in general, both of them. I feel like you kind of get that sensibility where it doesn't feel like the people I want to talk to in that regard from maybe I want to talk to Tom, but I probably wouldn't want to talk to Ryan Schreiber. but it's, it's just, just seeing how they're representing it. And then when, as soon as they, they're dealing with the trouble, the way that they're kind of the standoffish, that's the hard part. If they were like, Hey, yeah. you know, we know it's not perfect, 
but we think that there is use cases for it. It's interesting. And here's some really interesting aspects about it. If they were to play that angle, and I think AMD... And that's what Tom mostly says in videos, and I that's the way to play this. That's a good PR move. Hey, we're going to price it respectively. This is what it does. That's it. Yeah. But the problem is you have the other side going... Oh, but you know, this is enthusiast gaming and this is exactly what we wanted it to be two years ago. Yeah, we made a die on six nanometer bigger than a 3070 Ti and we intended it to have frame pacing issues and lose to a 3070. Doesn't it's it have like, lots of voltage issues too? I think I was seeing in one of the videos that the voltage is kind of all over the place. The voltage it is. is. They have an eight pin on this 75 watt A380, you know? Well, that's so strange, though, and that could be one of the reasons that we're not seeing the big cards because of the voltage spikes. It's one thing to have you know consistent voltage at a specific level, but if you have spikes that are scaling exponentially with the size of the hardware, that could be causing big issues with why they're not actually releasing the larger style size tile combinations. It's, I mean, well, voltage you, is you a know, different thing. My opinion on that is I believe the A780 was probably going to target somewhere between 235 to 270 watts. It was going to aim to beat the 3070. So if you think about the 3070, which I believe is a 220-watt card, that's like, okay, a little more energy, slightly better performance, unique features. That would have looked good. But if what they do is launch what ends up being a 250-watt card, a 270-watt card, and I'm already seeing some websites covering, oh, it overclocks from like 2.3 gigahertz to 2.6. And it's like, yeah, it's almost like they intended it to be clocked faster. Yeah. Like, Did they check the voltage afterwards? (laughs) Yeah, maybe they know. Well, yeah, you just tell overclockers you need a 1,000-watt power supply and you can push it above a 3070. But if they were to have launched like a, not a 235, but like a 250-watt model that still randomly beats a 3070 Ti. But if we're being honest, on average, like in Hardware Unbox 50 game roundup, it loses to a 3060 Ti while using 6,800 levels of energy. That's a bad look. And so that's why I think they're not launching it because they know they're not going to win performance on average. So they might as well not have efficiency look horrible. People are always sensitive to things that underperform. If if people and I think we've seen AMD get more honest with its slides in the last five years. I remember, yeah, painfully, I would say. <laughs> Vega and prior AMD slides were always overshooting, and then after Vega, it feels like their slides were actually almost a little underrepresenting intentionally. Like if they, they're like, if we're always maybe on average two or three percent below what we're saying then we always have face then gamers have a pleasant surprise when they put it in their pc versus the opposite a a, they're upset because they're not getting what they were promised as someone who tinkered with a vega uh, vega was a strange one for me because it was the most fun card i ever played with when i got my 3090 Mm, and i put it out there it was the most boring card in the best way in that i just put it in and i was like oh this runs everything great i'm not even thinking about this when i had my vega i was doing lots of fun stuff on my computer i was I bought a, uh, what a, it was a custom water block from, oh, anyways, bought a custom water block, was playing around with that, doing that. And it's kind of, sometimes it's fun to play with a complicated card for me. It's not something I'd recommend to other people sometimes, yeah. but for me, it was a lot of fun to mess around with and modifying it and trying different things. But when it comes to, um, but AMD has been getting better graces with people as they're improving their driver stack, improving their, and even they handled the, the blackouts somewhat respectably it seemed like 
when people were upset with the 5700, mm-hmm. then they were getting the blackouts randomly. Which I was, you know, anyone who thinks I'm hard on Intel. I did an emergency podcast talking about how bad it was and said, I cannot for this month recommend any AMD card. I'm Like, I can't. Like, so when it happens, I hit AMD, but they fixed it, you know? And then after that, I stopped saying it. And, and that really was a problem for me because, like, honestly, before that, I usually had more reliable drivers from AMD, but there was just no argument when that happened. It was and terrible. I don't remember, maybe I was wrong, but I don't remember them coming out and blaming game devs or coming out and blaming yeah. operating systems or coming out and blaming gamers, because it feels like as soon as the, uh, the developer of hardware does one of those things, which is what it kind of feels like Intel's doing a little bit. So when they say it only works with this and you need resizable bar and this and that, it's kind of like putting a lot of pressure on the consumer in a way that and i don't think they support uh resizable bar smart access memory on on the amd cards yet their drivers only support yeah so it's like that's a huge issue like a lot i don't know if they know a lot of people have amd systems well yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of ryzen systems out there but and which has been great for whenever i need a friend and when i have a friend that has a ryzen system as soon as they tell me that i'm like oh you want an upgrade path like you need some more performance you can just drop something in that's been pretty amazing but it's it's a very interesting thing i think in Intel needed to play the humble angle as humble as humanly possible on their first GPU launch. And first of all, they delayed it forever. And then they made it, they, which pushed it into the realm of speculation, where all of it was was speculative conversation of people. We were whispering about it for too long. And then when we whisper suspicions of why we're having performance issues, we're whispering, why is it delayed so long? And they can only delay it so long before they risk a lawsuit with um with uh stockholders as well what do you mean it launched in quarter one (laughs) i'm sorry go on (laughs) yeah well they i'm just saying that that's a risk there's specific things that different people at the company are weighing the risks of and they needed to have the most humble launch they possibly could and it doesn't feel like they've perfectly succeeded at this and they haven't perfectly succeeded at the dealing with the PR around it. I'm very curious as to whether it's a a fine wine card. I think if they had more of their engineers talking about some really interesting features about it that could be forward-looking, it would at least give them more... the, the part of the gaming public that's very excited about those, they could at least talk about that, which could give some hype to future generations as they fix specific things. But it doesn't feel like that's what they're coming forward with. They're kind of giving us a black box and a little bit of talk on the surface level about what's going on there and then putting the hardware in the hands. But it seems like um, any any of the main review channels that has good relations with Intel on CPU reviewing fronts are a little bit more willing to walk with them on which games they show and things like that right now. And it's only starting to get into the hands of people that are a little bit more willing to just throw everything at it and see what happens. So there's, and I think that that, that gating, unless you're NVIDIA, you can't get away with it. You, I don't think you can get a, a, like, I don't know if you, I don't do GPU reviews, but I don't know if AMD gives you as exhaustive a list of things you can't play when you get their GPUs. Um, they're becoming slightly more NVIDIA-like, I've heard, but yeah. no, not really. I mean, they, they, it's, and I'm just going to be honest, if you're a channel like Linus, it is up to Linus if he listens to anything you say, because he'll break NDA and he'll just invite you to sue him, and you won't, because that would be a PR disaster. Well, yeah, Linus's community is his strongest suit. He's got so many people, and I think that the, the tech channels with the best, the biggest communities are kind of the strongest to stand up to. Hardware Unbox is a good example, Level 1 Tech is a good example, mm-hmm. where they have really strong communities so they have the ability to have it's the small channels that are a little bit harder if they want to review hardware they kind of have to follow whatever rules they give them but 
I don't know. Well, let me bring this up too, like kind of adding like a final thing for why I'm worried it's a hardware issue. Igor found that in 720p, the A380 just starts losing to everything. Like if you completely remove CPU bottlenecks, the RX 6400, even in games where it was losing sometimes by 20%, just starts winning. Now, Mm -hmm. you could argue, well, the A380 has more bandwidth. It has, you know, maybe it's just better at running higher resolutions, kind of like Ampere versus RDNA 2. And I would say maybe, but actually, if you look at how fast the memory is in the 6400, it's actually not that far behind the memory overall bandwidth of the A380. And then Mm -hmm. it has infinity cache. So I don't know that I'm actually convinced by that. I think it much. I think it could be a hardware thing. Um, and the example I'll use is Ryzen two to Ryzen three. So the uh, Infinity Fabric interconnect created because sometimes we think of um, we we think it should scale infinitely lower. Like go to whatever three sixty p, go to one eighty p, and it should scale infinitely. But some of these, which I've bottom- always had problems with that too. To be fair, but we are talking about weak cards, so it's not like I'm running seven twenty p on a thirty ninety here. Uh, you well, know, I'm you- running. Yeah. But when you look at CSGO, right, there was a hard bottleneck on CSGO with early gen Ryzen, Ryzen 1 and 2. And I think, I don't know whether this is, uh, this is just wild speculation for me, but I think there's a threshold with Infinity Fabric where if it misses the intercommunication, it has to wait for the next run or something like that. So sometimes there's fundamental hardware bottlenecks that are fine 90% of the time, but they stop it from accelerating to the moon where as soon as you start scaling the hardware back, right, or like scaling the resolution down to see like what kind of crazy frame rate you can get, you might be introducing a a bottleneck of something that operates fine if you operate within its parameters. But as soon as you start operating past its parameters, then it, it no longer can keep up. So then it slows down everything across the board. So I just sent you a link over the chat we're using right now yeah here's where i'm going to get into heavy analysis in an upcoming video of alchemist and why i think i'm just going to delay it so i can really start looking at each claim intel's making because in their intel this bizarre video where ryan trout goes in these specific games it beats a 3060 but it might not perform like this in other games i'm like what an insane statement you're basically saying you no idea how it's going to perform yeah one of those games was control In control, in 1080p, the 6400 gets 73 frames a second. The A380 overclocked gets 70. This is supposed to be an optimized game. Now look at it in 720p where the 6400 stays ahead. And then the minimum frame times of the A380 falls off a cliff. Actually, if you look at the frame times, it's almost in 1080p. Well, it stabilizes between the, uh, the overclock and the the non-overclocked model, which shows us that it's some bottleneck somewhere. So the fact that... Yeah, you're right. Like if you... So just so everyone knows, and again, links will be in the description. Um, like the A380 and the A380 overclocked get literally the same minimum frames um, in 720p. And they're way behind a 6400. That tells you... I, if it's a CPU overhead problem, it should be different, right? This seems like a fundamental hardware flaw to me. It is. It's a hard... That is like... When things flatline, that's the flatlining is the most like obvious bottlenecks you could possibly do because it's essentially unable to produce more frame at that specific point in time. And it's it's flat across the board, whether you increase clock or whether you scale the hardware, if those lines flatten out, it's very indicative that 
there's something, whether it's exhausting memory bandwidth and it has to wait till it frees up before it could do something, or whether it's a, a CPU bottleneck that it just, something isn't getting through. And, and, or it could be the interconnect between the two dies. It needs to communicate something over to the other side. And well, it's just it's, one die right now though. Oh, it's one Remember? die. So there's one yeah. tile. Yeah. Okay. So regardless, there's going to be some infrastructure within the GPU that is having trouble communicating or having it's, it's being caught by its slowest component at this point in time. And there's nothing it can do. So it's, oh, it's you actually, see a similar thing in horizon zero dawn. Where's that one? Uh, shadow. Like, you, you yes. can just kind of see this emerging where when you push the cards super hard and then go to a lower resolution, 6,400 always wins mm-hmm. and you're getting way lower frame times and horrible variants. And it seems like there's just almost like an 80 hertz cap. In fact, if I remember correctly, there is a slide Intel recently showed in a presentation where they're like 90 hertz gaming. What a weird number to choose. Why wouldn't yeah. they say 120? I no think there could be... 90. I think there's a hardware flaw in Alchemist that is already noticeable on a low-end card that is capping out at 90, and there's no point in launching an A780. I really think, and this is why I get annoyed when I see people like, you know, oh, well, this, this, this. It's like, I can't promise you it's going to get better. For all I know, there's a fundamental flaw here that Igor thinks he's already found. Yeah, well, he's definitely found... Uh, situations where it exists, what the flaw is would need hardware diagnostics. When you and I were chatting prior to this, just in Skype, um, one of the things came up, you were talking to me about price and what price would validate this. And you messaged me about that. And I said, if the frame time variance is this bad, I don't know if I could recommend it at any price point unless I had specific uh, specific caveats. I would say, for instance, I would cap, I would probably in this because humans are way more vul- um, vulnerable. They're to fluctuations in frame time mm-hmm. than they are. And it's odd example. Um, I know when I half-life Alex came out, I had a, a rift S and I was in forums of people actually complaining about having the index because the, for that game specifically, it was an amazing experience, but the people that were more sensitive to frame time because the frame rate of the, the set was so high and the fluctuations were so massive, it was a harder experience to summarize that to deal with than dealing on a lower end headset mm-hmm. that had a capped frame rate just because there was way less variance. And people are very sensitive to variance. So for me, when I see like really wide frame time variance in this, I would be like, I, I would basically be telling anyone that was in the situation who got the card, cap your maximum frame rate, which is a weird thing for me to recommend. But that's the only way I would probably be able to stomach having someone have this card and have a good experience. So it's like, and that makes it hard for me to, to give the, I can, I remember the crossfire experience and the SLI experience mm-hmm. and frame time variance is really important. And I wouldn't wish anyone go through that experience unless they know how to mitigate it by capping your maximum frame rate, trying to reduce the amount of fluctuation between them or, and the thing is, is that that much variance wouldn't even it would hurt even variable refresh displays like that much that's yo-yoing a bit too much. You need that window as narrow as humanly possible. And there's lots of times where people will tell you, Oh, well this game maybe runs at a lower overall frame rate on this card, but the the experience felt better for some reason. And almost always it's frame persistence and variance between frames. So 
I, it's, it's so strange because it does make it a hard sell. And finding a bottleneck like this is really interesting. I mean, bottlenecks aren't always a bad thing because you can engineer around it on the next generation if you can isolate specifically what it is. It's a bad thing for current generation always, but it's not necessarily a bad thing in the long run because it, if you have it flatlining in the same place all over the place, that's really easy to QA. But yeah, and so just to directly address like my concern here is I've seen people in the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, which you guys get access to if you support us on Patreon, <laughs> um, say things like, well, I hope it's 130 I hope it's this. And it's, I can find RX 6400s for $135 in MSI one on Newegg right now after we bit. $135. The mm-hmm. pricing crash has happened. Intel's missed the boat. I know it has more RAM, but I don't agree with this marketing of like, I wouldn't, or should I say, I wouldn't double down that it's going to pan out the way you think it might when they say we have different tiers of pricing, we're pricing it like the worst case scenario, because everything above the worst case scenario has horrible frame variants. They put Control and Borderlands 3 on their list of optimized titles. I'm Mm. showing you benchmarks right now of the A380, we're in these optimized titles. It's not always great, at least in Control, it's pretty bad. And so I think when they say tier one optimizations, they're just talking average frame rates. For all yeah. I know, it's going to feel like the worst case anyways. And I don't know where you price. I think I think the A380 should be 120. I think the, because it is worse than a 6400 and it's not reliable. You're basically playing Russian roulette every time you turn on your PC, which I don't know. I think that's worth at least paying $10 less. Yeah. And then you have the A580, which they say is a 3050 competitor. I don't know. Maybe should be 200 bucks at most. I can't see any of these cards being close to the price of what they pretend to compete with. And again, I think there's going to be benchmarks that hit the averages I leaked two years ago. There will be games yeah. where it performs like a 3070 Ti, especially when overclocked. Have there we, will be, but that's not the problem. Have we seen their... Um, I, we haven't seen any games with XESS, right, so far? And we haven't seen... No, it doesn't work yet. I asked. <laughs> so we haven't seen any games with XESS. We haven't seen any... Um, have we seen ray tracing support in the driver yet? Yes, I mean, you can run some games with ray tracing with the A380, and from what I've seen, it's hard to really say what's what, because I've seen some people argue, well, it doesn't lose as much performance as Radeon, but it's like, I just think it is already capped at a high frame rate anyways. So it's running ray tracing, it's not crashing in ray tracing, I guess, but... It's too early for me to really have any opinion on if it runs it well or not. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about forward features. What Going back to our earlier thing, what are the specific things that could add a fine wine quality to it and potentially Maybe improve? That. improve um, and the thing is, is, like honestly, I've been playing around with AI for fun a little bit recently, and there is going to be in games sometime soon something, whether it's generating textures via AI or something like that, where we're going to start seeing use cases for AI acceleration in video games. It might be three, it might be five years down the road before we get to real time. But I mean, that that's kind of hurting in the fine wine window. It's not the best for it. But if we find out that these cards are better for having some of the acceleration in those specific areas, they could age better. And the frame time variance is obviously the biggest problem. And whether or not, like looking at the Wolfenstein ones, even worse. Um, but when you scroll down the list, which it's it's a lot to stomach, and it's very interesting to see whether they can mitigate it in hardware. And if there's a Wolfenstein engineer or someone out there that can run diagnostics on it, please do post those online somewhere. That would be the most interesting tech content I've seen in a really long time. Someone could pass them an A380 
and then just let them run it in engine with some diagnostics and see what's taking up all this frame time. That would. But does it matter, by the way, if framed, if a fine wine gets better in five years, like I hate to be this guy, but like there were so many people that said the 1060 would age worse than like the RX 480. And it's like it's hardware and box just did a 50 game roundup where it's like 10 percent worse. And it. OK, so you waited six years to have a Polaris card 10 percent better. I'm not I don't care whose fault it is, but I'm just saying once you're taking over once you're taking over three years, I think the fine wine argument can matter if the other card doesn't work. But if it's like you gain 10 percent, it's what I'm telling someone to buy this card now that will get a 10 percent. It's you know, there's got to be some kind of a just just buy something, just buy a 3070 now then and buy battle mage in the future instead of wasting your time on this i think that the only area where fine wine matters is uh, from a, a getting a market share on fine wine isn't you having a card that ages better it's on a larger group of people having cards that have features that are making them age better and developers targeting those features so if you're looking at it just on the consumer the individual consumer perspective then you're right they're, they should have just bought whatever. It wouldn't have been a big deal. It's not worth waiting six years. But if the reason that the fine wine exists is because of asynchronous compute or half floats or uh, whatever, some type of acceleration and ray tracing, some type of acceleration in um, AI upsampling, and that's what's going to create the fine wine, down the, the, then having a larger group of the audience on that will push that sooner in time and will allow for engineers to feel confident to build new features going forward. So from the other end of the industry, not the consumer end of the industry, but to some extent, convincing more people to get cards that age better, if it's specifically a feature-based thing that's making them age better, does mean that more features will come to life faster Mm -hmm. and that they'll get embraced more. So, and if it's embraced more, then engineers can move on to the new feature that they want to implement. If we're still trying to implement something that was in PS4, but didn't come into desktop graphics cards to two years ago, because everyone told everyone to buy 1060s, then instead of, if that had shifted, like if I had just imagined the scenario where 80% of the market share was RX 580s instead of 1060s, the gaming landscape would look differently. Just Mm -hmm. in terms of, Every game developer would have embraced uh, the hardware features, especially if it was Vega, just because Vega had a few more features. And now modern cards have even more features, but those features could have come earlier. We would have seen the engineering push earlier and then new engineering would come into play. But the slower gamers ramp up on the features, the slower new features get implemented. And I think that's the one caveat. I agree with you entirely on the consumer side. It doesn't matter. On the the engineering and hardware side, the larger adaption that happens quickly, the more standardized it gets, the more the tools get upgraded in engines, the more diagnostics get better for it in engines, the more that we move on to the next thing to implement the same way. Crazy, what's wrong? Heat getting you down? No? You're paying too much for Windows keys. 
Well, come on. You know you don't have to do that by now. After all, it's certainly been no secret that CDKeyOffer.com has been a reliable sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for years. They're the go-to place that I recommend my fans use for getting PlayStation, Microsoft Office, and Windows operating system keys for reasonable prices. You don't want to spend a ridiculous amount of the percentage of your build's price on a Windows operating system. Go to CDKeyOffer.com to get a legitimate, reliable key to build your new system without wasting too much money. I use them to make the Alder Lake system next to me for benchmarking graphics cards. And if I build a Zen 4 or Raptor Lake system this fall, you can bet I will be going to cdkeyoffer.com right away to get a reasonably priced Windows 11 key. If you do go to cdkeyoffer.com, make sure you use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows software and Dyestring to get 3% off everything else on the website. They even sell gaming chairs, mice, and keyboards right now. It's a good place to go to to get reasonably priced products products and to also show your support for Moore's Law is Dead, go to cdkeyoffer.com today. All right. Now I want to ro roll into like a kind of a couple final things about Alchemist here. So number one, just based on what you've seen, do you think it's mostly a software problem? Do you think it's all a software problem? Or do you think there really could be some scheduling things there? Because it is worth pointing out Yes, they've had 10 years to optimize, and I think it's entirely unforgivable that they don't have more stable drivers now. But I would understand why maybe their scheduler is garbage because they haven't had to schedule a card stronger than a N50 Ti ever. <laughs> so do you? Th what do you think is likely the culprit here? Yeah, it could be. Like, It's a good thing you bring up the scheduler because the scheduler is what cues things to all of the different arrays of shaders and TMUs and ROPs and whatever they've built to handle those specific tasks and some of those things work really well at small scales and we've seen gpus that scale better and we've seen gpus that scale worse and it's cool seeing i think rdna2 is a really interesting because it scales really well and ampere I, ampere scales better it looks well it scales a, i'm not sure whether it scales a little bit better or worse than the 20 series but it looked like the 10 series didn't scale quite as well mm -hmm. they've made changes to that since then that improved the scaling of hardware over time and I yeah ampere they seem to be fixing it somewhat in drivers but at least a year ago or so it was there is a scheduler scheduler in ampere doesn't seem to be as capable as it was in rdna2 but it doesn't seem to be a huge handicap for the level of performance they're hitting well schedulers are designed to take advantage of idle time on they're, they're designed to queue things up efficiently and also look for opportunities. And that's where a lot of performance can be gained. And if that specific aspect of the hardware isn't scaling to more shaders or whatnot, then we could be seeing a hard limit. And they could be using a lot of electricity for, for diminishing returns and gains. So they could have found that they went to whatever, two tiles, four tiles and whatnot. And it, the percentage well, was Well, higher up, teraflops. It's one tile, but they're just not going to clock it very fast, it seems. Yeah. Or well, you're losing clocks too. And as soon as you start losing clocks, then you're not pushing other things that are a little bit more stable on the GPU. So there's always a, a trade-off between clocks and and uh, specifically the layout of the hardware because you're kind of slowing down the other aspects of it. But I think that there is a hardware bottleneck here that we're seeing. It could be that you could isolate around it in drivers and make individual optimizations mm -hmm. to games that mitigate it, but you're never going to see that across every game. Mm -hmm. um, the flatlining is what bothers me the most. When you start seeing those things get closer together, that kind of is showing that it doesn't matter if you try to mitigate it by, uh, by either feeding more voltage or more... Um, 
more clocks, like giving the more clocks to the card. If the if it's stuck at that point, that's saying that there's something fundamental there that's a little bit more worrying, um, which I'm curious about. It could be that it, it could be, and it still could technically be in the driver layer where it's just maybe there's a lot of driver overhead and we're actually seeing a CPU bottleneck across that. It could be in an in internal hardware bottleneck. There's kind of several ways you could look at that, but it's very interesting to me. And that, that does make me worry that there's a fundamental hardware. It could be one that they've already solved in the next generation of hardware. And we're speculating on something now that they're even ashamed to release, which is a very, and we're trying to use that to project their future roadmap. I'm not, but that's the thing. I'm not using it to project their future roadmap. I'm just, you know, Amy Will Chief writes in and he says, Tom, I know this is a bit of an early question, but at the rate at which Intel are not rolling out Alchemist, what do you feel this portends for Battle Mage? You've said that the whole Alchemist launch seems like a glorified beta test without any real world data rolling in from live systems for them to analyze, apply lessons, learn to Battle Mage. I'd really classify this as an alpha test at best. No, DG1 was alpha. Uh, we got to stop making excuses for the biggest silicon company on earth. Why do they get it to make excuses? And we just spank AMD and NVIDIA anytime they mess up. But because I really don't think we can expect much until at least Celestial. Also, third time's the charm. Well, that would be like fifth time or something. But um, <laughs> like, so no, I, I want to say I leaked Battle Mage information in December. I haven't changed anything I've said about Battle Mage. And it's just so funny how many people are going, well, Intel's doomed with graphics. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if they are or aren't. But they what I do win. know is that this is not what they wanted it to be. And they don't have enough excuses. They're, and Or they're not eating enough humble pie for me to give them a break. Because they're not. It, it, it doesn't work. I think there's going to be a lot they can do with software, but I think it's at least partially hardware limited that they will fix in battle mage. But my problem is again, and we keep coming back to this. They've had a decade of actually having the most market share in graphics. They have all of these employees. They have all of these people working. If they can't execute on this. And I also know Raptor Lake's getting delayed and Meteor Lake's being delayed and Sapphire Rapids isn't out and Ponte Vecchio is not out. My mm -hmm. issue with Battle Mage isn't Alchemist performance. My issue with Battle Mage is the main problem Alchemist has is that they can't fucking launch something on time like they say they will. And so yeah. if they can't do that with Alchemist, why would I believe they can do it with anything? Until they launch Meteor Lake before 2024, I don't believe anything they say about anything anymore. And it's not because Alchemist has hardware problems. It's because they can't seem to do what they say they will. And that is a management problem, in my opinion. No, that is. I, like, I'm picturing even following AMD, NVIDIA, all of these companies for like, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I remember when AMD was missing all of their their releases, especially, you know, they were what, like Vega was almost a year behind. Uh, mm -hmm. The so, PS4 Pro had FP16 a year before Vega came well, out. Well, I, I might have been, uh, it could have been a lot of things. There could have been a lot of things. I mean, when Lisa Sue took over the big thing that changed with amd is cadence some to some extent it was just cadence improving and iterating and hitting deadlines and just doing that over and over again and the, this is it kind of goes back to what i was saying just a few seconds ago but battle mage faces the problem if AM, intel doesn't get widespread doesn't get adoption doesn't get that loop doesn't get their features uh optimized for then they miss the opportunity to even add new features they miss opportunities to even make hardware better in the future and to some extent they have to get something out but they needed what they needed was probably a closed ecosystem to do it windows is is going to introduce way too many things for them to compete against it's kind of a shame yeah, if they only they had something called dg1 that was in a closed ecosystem for two years 
What was Two the years. ecosystem for DJ One? What was it? There's I mean, no game console. There's no. It's not like a Surface, or it's not like they gave some, it to all developers, though. You well, know? that's the different. That, that's still in the Windows ecosystem. Like I think that they they need they need the people making software for this and games for it to understand it fundamentally. If you talk to devs on on NVIDIA and AMD GPUs, they can go on for hours about documentation or specific things or optimizations that they've had to do or weird, especially because like game devs world is kind of like battle stories. They have a battle chest of stories and then they can explain They'll be like, oh, we had this crazy performance bottleneck and, you know, we kept playtesting and we give it out to specific people and then the frame rate would crash like crazy or alphas would come on screen. But then we found this one thing. I talked to this one engineer and they said, if you did this, there's all of that. And Intel's missing out on all of it right now. Now, I have to be very careful how I say this, but what if I told you there have been devs who have had DG2 cards for eight months? Did they and put it in been, and did they test it? Did they actually run diagnostics been helping, on it yeah. continuously? Is it, I, I won't elaborate because I'm worried any word I say, they'll be yeah, able yeah, to yeah. say, oh, that's how that guy talks. But that's, yes. And then the Intel people get back to them and it's a nightmare of trying to diagnose anything. Well, okay. There, there, I'm saying there's been people helping Intel test this outside of their company for a minute, for a while, longer than people realize. Like, guys, I had pictures of Alchemist mid early last year so that's how long people have had them the type of focus is critical and what i i'll use the steam deck as an example we've probably seen more iteration and more um more features more like drivers adjustments going on through the steam deck development than we've seen in like 20 years of linux and you can't say linux hasn't been dominant in so many spaces mm -hmm. with the most technically advanced people on earth for forever like Linux has existed in that space. The people that know the most about tech were in love with Linux and they still weren't pulling things on the, not, they were pulling crazy things. I don't want to disrespect them. They did amazing work, but they weren't doing the work necessary to make it a mainstream gaming platform until the Steam Deck opened the gates to that. And now the progress on Wine, the progress on uh, uh, Proton, all of that has been amazing seeing that. I've never, I've never had a device that needed so many updates at launch, but actually got them relatively quickly and being pleasantly surprised when I turn it on a month later in a game that couldn't run can run now. And Intel is, doesn't have any of that. And it's possible to be a giant monolith or a giant company and, or be something like Linux and literally have like, what, how many servers, how many everything, how many technical minds on this and not having the same level of progress as when they get a little tiny handheld to mm -hmm. millions of users' hands and, and then having the game developers seeing people playing on it and then having the people that are playing on it tell them information that's useful, repeating bugs, explaining these things, seeing the commonalities and then making and closing that loop. And it takes... so. It, you can throw resources at something, but type of focus is important. There is mm -hmm. a critical distinction in, in how you can focus on some things. And there are some precursors or some catalysts before you can have that focus happen. And it's something really beautiful that we're seeing with the Steam Deck right now in the Linux community that we hadn't seen prior, despite the fact that it was so widespread. And Intel needs a product win like that. It needs a reason 
because mm-hmm. it doesn't have consoles as a backbone because PC versus console devs were kind of strange for a long time because the devs were aware of everything that existed in the console space and they were aware of what they had to turn off when they brought it to the PC space and vice versa. And they would have, but there was tons of documentation. There was tons of bug testing. There's tons of communication between everyone on all of those fronts. And Intel needs to open up all of those channels of communication, but it needs a reason for people to care. Because if, if Intel had shipped me an Alchemist GPU mm-hmm. while I'm in developing my game, yeah, I might have put it in a couple of days and played with it or passed it to a dev to look at it. But I wouldn't have done the same scrutiny that I do that we do with other levels of hardware when we find common issues and people complain bugs and we ask them what their hardware is. Because we know it's not going to be a large portion of the market share. And there's also like the minimal returns. If you put it in and it runs and your game doesn't crash, do you know how many devs that makes happy? They might <laughs> not even... They, like. There's so many devs that just like, okay, well, whatever. It works, right? Like, that's a big deal for devs. And sometimes that's enough on specific game hardware, especially smaller devs. If it's not, if it's crashing all the time, like crashing in black screens and weird things like that are a much bigger deal than uh, frame time variance for most devs, unless it's widespread enough. And, and even still, let's say that these devs that you were talking to that had one in hand, and they could have noticed that, but they don't know. They're not talking to a million other devs that have the exact same thing to know whether it's common across all of their, their game engines, their mm-hmm. specific software infrastructure. They might be like, oh, that's a one-off case, but it's running. It didn't black screen on us, right? And that's good enough for me. So that all of that stuff exists. In order for Intel to make this a product, they need to, first of all, they need to have released it, which they have done, <laughs> but they need to have some kind of design win where they're getting people and people need to start learning the and learning and documenting the very interesting features of the hardware because that's what's going to win in the dev land. And when it wins in the dev land, that falls back to gamers. Gamers enjoy the benefits of widespread documentation and communication on various hardware features. And that's what we're missing with Battle Mage. I... I know lots of features that exist in NVIDIA and AMD GPUs and how they're utilized. I talk to devs, and as soon as there's a problem, ideas come to the forefront right away about how to optimize around them. Whether if we're shipping for console and that, that scenario comes up like, oh, we can maybe try this or this. Or, or they'll, they'll contact one of their devs that they know that works on exclusively on consoles and be like, what do you think about this? And they'll be like, oh, here's this documentation I made on this. Try this out. And there's all of this shared information on this. And currently, I, I can't imagine Intel has anywhere near the same level of that. And it needs a scenario to create it. Yeah, so I guess actually what I would say is, again, I, I don't think Alchemist's performance really tells us almost anything about Battle Mage. I think too many people are going to read into that and write off Battle Mage. Again, guys, I've, I'm the one who leaked the code name Elasti first. I know what Battle Mage is, and I'm not saying it's not going to succeed. But the funny thing is, is Alchemist's launch, what I'm going to be looking for is how stable the drivers get over time, one. And actually, not the overall performance, not fine wine in the traditional sense. What I'm going to be looking for is, does Sapphire Rapids launch this year? Because mm. for me, Battle Mage is moving to tiles. And I don't care about how Alchemist performs. I know that they're going to learn from it and make Battle Mage better from a hardware level. What I want to see is Raptor Lake not slip to November. What I want to see is Meteor Lake launch by the middle of next year. Although, frankly, it sounds like it's basically confirmed not to, just so everyone knows. Like, so I want to see everything else, I don't care what division it's from, come out when Intel says it will. But if I keep seeing things slip into mid next year, I'm going to go, I don't see evidence this company's fixed its problem, which is management and execution. I'm sure Battle Mage can be good, and I'm sure they'll learn a lot from Alchemist. I just want to see them actually do what they say they will. Well, I think it's actually showing a more of a fundamental problem with 
um, in, Intel's communication, their marketing, and it doesn't, to some extent, what they're showing is it doesn't even matter if they have a good product. Yeah. Because they need to have the right people communicating this in a way that's straightforward, that users understand. They need to be admitting their caveats and explaining their roadmaps around that. And they need to be, like, honestly, oddly enough, I, I don't know Raja or anything, but I saw that shift with AMD's marketing. AMD's marketing went from being overconfident and then rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, especially when they flopped on their face, to when they shifted to partially reserved. And when they were partially reserved, then people were much more, are feeling just better about it in general. And Intel, Intel's marketing, like watching their, their events and stuff is a nightmare a lot of the time, the way that they communicate these products. And Jensen can just walk on the screen with a, a black vest and pull something out of an oven and it comes off better than their entire presentation. And that's uh, that says a lot. It says a lot about the general understanding of the user base. It says a lot. And, and the fact that to some extent, Intel kind of comes off as when they're doing a GPU launch, they kind of come off as the rich son of a rich whatever just saying, here, you get to go on the stage of all these places mm. and talk about it without having earned it in the sense that, I mean, AMD and NVIDIA have been making GPUs since whatever, like the original Fury and the TNT2 and the TNT1, like mm -hmm. these are ancient GPUs. They, almost all of the patents and stuff go back to them. Like they have, they have so much history and and they all, both of them, whether you, whether you like ATI slash AMD or whether you don't, or whether NVIDIA, they both earned the right to stand on the GPU stage and hold something up and put it in front of people. And Intel is using something they've won somewhere else to show that. And this is why what's hurting Battlemage, they could have an amazing Battlemage, but they have to get their marketing in order. They have to be able to communicate what's interesting about it. They need to be able to, to use the tech resources, the YouTube tech resources, without seeming skeezy about it, without seeming like they're using their CPU weight to stand there. Like they should just be there because this is like, this is cool. If they had, if they had done the event and they just completely opened it up to gamers nexus and they said, Hey, and if they started with like a crazy liquid nitrogen overclocking and they're like, you know what? We don't know what this is going to look like. Have fun with it. It would have it would have been way better. It would have been in the hands of something, somebody, mm -hmm. if they had given one to Hardware Unboxed, given one to Gamers Nexus and said, you know what, there's going to be problems, but have fun with it. What's the coolest scenario you can come up with this? Then people would be talking about the situations where it does incredibly well. And they'd be like, did you see when he did this? And it was really interesting. And, and again, because I think there, I know it was designed to be a, they called it a 3070 Ti before the 3070 Ti was even out. Yeah. And I'm sure in some games it will perform like one. Totally. Like, and then let Gamers Nexus say, hey, if you play this one popular game, it's incredible. Like, just yeah. let them do it. Yeah. Or just don't even tell them. If they would have, have come in without that weight, without being like, here, here's a very limited thing. Don't don't show all of it to people. Because, the, I mean, people's imaginations are the worst aspect of all of this. They're going to be imagining the worst case scenarios. They're going to, And then we're fighting with invisible giants all over the place. If we had just had them say, hey, we know this isn't going to be perfect across the board, have fun with it. I think it would have mitigated so many problems in that regard. Gamers would have just been like, cool, what do we find out about this? We, we can find out whatever we want about it. And then it just gets to be a fun project, pulling it into your computer and seeing what the heck goes on. I know tons of people that probably would have bought a 380 if it was handled in the right way, just as a card to see what the heck's going on with it. We haven't had a new architecture playing around in the space for what, like, 
since what diamond whatever like some mm-hmm. crazy alternative gpu way back in the day there's so many people that would have just liked to have it on release even if everything was sketchy if it was fun and then yeah. gamers would have put it in, you and me might have grabbed one as a second one just to be like what the heck does this even do and then we would have forgiven it a lot but we can't forgive it if intel's marketing is using these tactics yeah and i mean and again that's my problem is I think people think this is them eating humble pie and it's about to launch, but I'm telling you guys, I don't think we're going to have widespread reviews for at least a month from now. And there's going to be another month of basically silence, I think, of like people not really knowing what's going on. They're like, okay, well, you just talked to Linus. You just talked to Gamers Nexus. Where are the cards? Guys, AIBs haven't been briefed. I think I said this in the last stream. AIBs haven't been briefed on the bomb yet. When if they have those voltage issues that you're talking about, AIBs will not only not have been briefed, they're going to be scared. They are. And, and I have, P- well, yeah, I guess I should be careful how many details, but like <laughs> AIBs are just very confused right now. So this idea that there's going to be some launch, I'm, I'm skeptical of a, mo- a, lo- a launch in a month. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of weird messaging for two more months, and then it's going to come out. And then I, I hate to say it, I think the shit's going to hit the fan. I think if they would have just been modest, they would have said, hey, it does this well, it does this well, isn't that cool? But what we're going to see instead is, oh my God, it's almost quarter four, where is this card? And then they're going to get it, and it's going to be so all over the place. And they say, well, wait, you said it would beat a 3060 and this, it does, you know, I don't don't know. I I hate that the like NVIDIA stand, like NVIDIA is laughing every time we use their cards as a standard because it just hurts everyone else, like, that fluctuation, how wide that range is on a GPU. And this is the big problem with Vega prior to the, the to RDNA. So with Vega and the previous architectures, the fluctuation between Radeon GPUs to the comparable NVIDIA GPUs were huge, especially in specific engines. As soon as you went Unreal 4 or whatnot, that the range in the GPU's performance fluctuated between like, oh, it's like a 1080 Ti, like it's like a 1080 Ti to a 970. What the heck's going on here? Well, right? yeah, uh, Vega 64, especially Vega Liquid, would perform about like a 1080 Ti. And like, I tested one, you know, it, it would, I mean, the Radeon 7, I got to perform like a 2080 Ti in a couple of games. The couple, 1080, yeah. But like Vega 64 would be like a 1080 Ti in Battlefield. And then you pull up another game, like I think Assassin's Creed, all of a sudden it barely beats a 1070. Like that yeah. is just all over the place. It's all over the place. And that window, and what I feel like what AMD did with RDNA specifically is they just like, we are engineering around that window. So that NVIDIA can't hurt us as bad. And they just narrowed it right down. With RDNA mm-hmm. and RDNA 2, they got that window as tight as they possibly could because they knew they weren't going to get the market share for the standard to be shifted to them where the conversation isn't. Because that's when you get people discrediting a card. You'd be like, have you seen it right on that game? You know, they'll just yeah. throw away it with that argument. It'd be like, it's not useful uh, all That the used time. to be a pet peeve of mine before I had a YouTube channel, like when I would just argue people in the WCCF tech comments. Like they would just be like, look, it can't even beat a 1070. And then I'd post, uh, I'd respond with it beating a 1080 Ti. I'm like, look, the 1080 Ti can't even beat Vega. Well, that's, like that's this the cherry thing picking. about samples. Yeah, you can use samples and you can discredit things one way or another. And it's it's very interesting, though. I think that we can, I, I like AMD, I talked to AMD engineers at GDC 2018, and they basically completely, and this was in the Vega days, and they said exactly that, that they needed to overcome 
They had to engineer around the worst case scenarios, even when the worst case scenarios weren't their fault. They understood, like the individual engineers that I talked to, because I went to the technical conferences for no reason. I'm an artist. I only understood half of what was said, but I thought it were very interesting. And then you had all like AMD engineers and NVIDIA engineers and game devs and engine techs all in that room. You could just chat with them afterwards, which is a really beautiful thing. But I remember seeing, like, I'd look and see what they have in the name tags. They've had NVIDIA or AMD. I'd go up and talk to them. But I talked to the AMD engineers and they were very humble and very interesting. They're like, I'm like, must suck that it looks this way when your hearts are actually better than like, we know, but they're like, you know what? At the same time, we need to make sure that it's not possible for us to be pushed out of the ecosystem in this way because of that. We have to engineer around those faults. And it was a very kind of humble, interesting conversation. And I really respected that approach because at least they're saying, yeah, it sucks. And it'd be great if we could just convince all gamers this, but it's not a realistic thing. And we could say, hey, you look at console space. You see that when you engineer or when you uh, build games around what the hardware strengths are, instead of having half of your games literally targeting the weaknesses for some reasons, like when you had whatever the Witcher 3 and Crisis 2 just throwing insane amounts of tessellation on things that are below the floor of the game, like weird things like that that can happen in games where all of a sudden you're tanking performance for no reason. And they had to be like, well, you know what? Yeah, it sucks that stuff like that can happen in games, then our cards can look bad. But we also need to make sure that we, we're competitive on all fronts so that we're not even able to be pushed like that. Now that now that's very respectful. And AMD, sorry, Intel needs a bit of that. They need a bit more of that in that communication. Yeah, we have weaknesses in hardware. We can be pushed around in this or that way, but we got to engineer around that. So look out for Battle Mage, right? Or look out for whatever the C letter one is. Celestial. Celestial. Yeah. You know? I, well, I think that's a good point to end on when it comes to the Intel discussion. Um, okay, so Clean Sweep writes in and he says, Hey, Brian, with RDNA 3 and Lovelace around the corner, what's the nightmare scenario that only a game developer, art designer would think of when it comes to supporting new hardware and or software features? A lot of people think of the obvious, like having to do last minute ad of sponsored features or needing to do extra Q&A on testing new hardware. But what's the sort of thing only real? hands-on developers would make you think or worry about because i do think there's an interesting question we're about to have i guess raptor lake is just kind of beefed up alder lake so it's probably not that much harder to program for and zen 4 is again eh, probably not that much worse than zen 3 if you already do that well mm -hmm. but uh rdna 3 is going to be different <laughs> like really yeah. different than rdna 2 and lovelace isn't as much of a departure but i i think it's actually gonna be a little more different than some people expect in terms of the architecture like and they're both coming out at the same time next to alchemist yeah what do you can you give any insight into like what developers are thinking right now with three new graphics hardware architectures coming out at the same time and on new motherboard platforms like what's what are people anything you're like what are people worrying about or is it really not that much of a worry because how much of it is, is handled in the drivers they give you Game devs are excited for new features, wary of implementing them. They're wary of big shifts that they can't, and they want to make sure that their tools keep up. Um, and there's some things that I kind of wanted to talk to you about, but maybe you'd have to save it for another conversation, just between like engines and like way we set up rendering between like forward and deferred rendering. Sometimes uh, the other thing too is, so game devs sometimes deviate from the update path. So if you have like a hyper-realistic game mm -hmm. and you're, you're on, you have people dedicated to keeping Unreal, let's say, up to date, then you can always be pulling in new features. But if you go with a more stylized approach on your visuals in any way, if you're not just using trying to create hyper-reality, sometimes there are reasons that you might want to prefer a deferred render, uh, sorry, a forward render over a deferred render. And also sometimes you have to separate your engine 
and you have to do custom builds of your engine, which makes it harder to integrate new features from it. So to some extent, game devs that have made those decisions can be a little bit worried about being left behind when new hardware comes out. Let's say it has a really cool new feature, but you, for a stylized look or for a really interesting approach visually to a game, you went and uh, started customizing Unreal. And then you, when you do that, you end up, it costs you a lot of dev time too, because you could be spending like four or five hours making special builds of the engine just to have specific render sets. Because if, as soon as you go away from the Unreal's typical PBR pipeline, these are certain things that you might end up having to do. And those are the big fears. If there's new features and then some devs will have advantages over other devs. And some get, in some ways we're in a kind of weird space that we haven't been in forever where mm-hmm. realistic games are almost getting a little bit easier to make than unrealistic games on a tech level, but they're getting harder to make on an animation level. So we get like hyper-realistic characters, but if you're not up to snuff, you'll have weird-looking character movements and stuff like that. Anyways, when game developers make these decisions on games around hardware, first of all, usually they're targeting some level of console hardware, unless you're like Star Citizen or something like that that's intentionally trying to target PC first. Um, second of all, some of the decisions that we make might hurt the ability to implement things that people might be asking for. Like right now, I mean, I've been playing around with um, with the ability to implement things like TSR, FSR 2.0 or DLSS in our own project. But if that were like talking, at least being able to communicate the framework that would be possible to integrate those things. But if, if there was a new feature, if NVIDIA just suddenly came up with something that, mm-hmm. let's, say, let's say it's an AI upscaling, right? That took your texture, your low texture, and made a 8K version of it. And that required a new version. Then we, we need to wait for Unreal to implement it. We need, and, but gamers don't kind of understand the delays in the pipeline like that. They may be like, why don't you have this feature here? Oh, and then the worst thing is that they have references. Why are devs so lazy? Why didn't you just add this thing NVIDIA said? Why don't you have RTX IO? <laughs> well, I could even imagine it a game like... Uh, let's say, I don't, I just use Borderlands as an example, but let's say, I don't know whether they do this, but they could have done a custom version of their engine to be able to do some of the visual tricks the way that they were doing. They could have maybe changed their style of rendering to maybe like a mixed forward renderer to be able to do certain things. These are decisions they might have made. They, They probably didn't. I'm just speculating. When you get to more visually stylized games, sometimes you make decisions like this. But I don't know how much I can add to it, but what I can say is I've messed around with the INI files and I know Borderlands renders it like a traditional looking game, but with like a pastel color palette or something. And then they just add the outlines almost like with anti-aliasing. They like, they trace the outlines. There was Mm -hmm. actually a way in the INI files to remove some of the artsy effect and you get better performance because they were spending rendering to render the black outlines over the models. Well, a lot of black outlines too, are it's called uh, with an inverse hull or something like that. And they actually make a duplicate of the geometry and scale it out to go around it. So that's one method. And uh, other things that they do, sometimes they're, they're doing oddly enough, like in Wind Waker's day, when you did um, cell shading, it was a massive performance gain because you you had ways to actually take advantage of that. But in modern game development, it's not really much of a performance mm. gain to do a stylized look. The only thing it really gives you is forgiveness if you end up doing like lower res textures or forgiveness if you do... Um, they're, yeah, because they're all using the same tools, right? And then they're adding the old school look on top. Exactly. So it's, it's a bit different in the way that the render pipelines have changed. There's certain things like that, but when it comes to new hardware, so if we have our DNA three, you saying our DNA three is very different and that is. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, uh, my understanding is that it actually does double FP 32 per compute unit, kind of like how Ampere did, but Mm -hmm. also not like how Ampere did because it's 
It's it's more of a true beefing up of double of most of the resources. It's not just one thing. Instead of like it, a 1.5 increase, like Ampere was. Uh, actually, uh, that's something, of course, I've been heavily analyzing as I compare these, preparing a couple of videos about it. But Ampere's was actually like a 1.3, despite doubling CUDA cores. Well, it depends yeah. how you do the math, right? If you divide backwards, it sounds bigger. But in terms of like actual boost per compute unit, if you don't account for, you know, clock speeds, you know, like RDNA 3 isn't going to double performance per compute unit at same clock speeds. It's going to be yeah. higher than what Ampere brought, though. Interesting. It, it's interesting that you say that. But the thing is, with the modern hardware, is it would be interesting if they were more like just around neutral with the consoles. But they're prob they're not like if we're talking about RDNA three and Ampere, then what's going to be equivalent to a PS five and a Series X by that point? It's probably going to be like the sixty series, on um, both of them. The oh yeah, I think the sixty series is going to crush the PS five. Exactly. So if we have that level, then we're not that worried about that. I think we're more like we just suffered in in a good and bad way the ten sixty generation, and we would have been so happy if the ten seventy was the ten sixty. Mm -hmm. um because we had hardware that was faster in some ways than what like a ps4 pro or a series x was that was the standard in pc but it was worse in other ways and it was hard to optimize around all of that when the vast majority of pc gamers were playing with kind of an, a strange hardware it wasn't all wins for a 1060 right. to be the standard if if we're talking about and some games really take advantage of it and other games uh, like are struggling because of specific optimizations they relied on. And when we're talking about new architectures, if these GPUs are going to be so powerful, like the, the doubling we're seeing, but the mm -hmm. difference between the high end and the low end seems to be growing in this space. I think that that's kind of what's interesting that the, but the low ends come up a lot, but the high end just getting so crazy. We're talking about 40, 50, 60 teraflops. Now we're talking what 90, 80, yeah. 90 in some cases. Yeah. We're going to, they're going to be 70 to a hundred teraflops from both companies. I, I, I guarantee the shader workloads will be much, much better on PC. I'm curious how much of a win it is on the other aspects of the pipeline because it could have some things where the workload's just almost instant on PC on the high-end cards and the other cards are nowhere near that much. I could add on to that, but I think you might need to go, man. It seems I, like... I, I, my wife wants yeah. to say something. All right. I was just trying to wait for a good time to do it. So look, hey, I want to thank you for coming on. No Plug what you need, you know, plug your, uh, the studio you work at, tell people or anything else. I mean, if you wanted to plug, you know, a fast food restaurant, you like, I don't care. Just, I, I just want to plug, I'll plug you. Everyone watch Moore's Law is Dead. This is a great thing to watch. No, it's, I, you can always check me out. Um, I do lots of different types of art. I mean, I'm most live with my pixel art. I think in a year or so when we show our new game, then I'll be able to show a lot of new art that I've oh, been doing. Okay. That is going to be really cool. So I'd say watch to the future, but expect that it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be a bit off. But once we show it, I think that uh, I'd be excited to come on and talk about the tech and the stuff we're doing with that game then. So, oh, of course, you're absolutely invited on, especially if you have something specific to promote. And I mean, people will be able to see it on your um, Twitter. I'll put your Twitter, of course, in the description yeah. so people can find all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I do a lot of pixel art, but I do lots of other stuff. Um, I haven't been showing as much of my personal art lately and other stuff because I seem to have the biggest following around my pixel art. But I've been doing a lot of non pixel art lately, and I can show all of that once this game ships, uh, starts, where at least gets trailers released and stuff. So, I'd be excited to, to show that more in the future. So, Anyways, yeah, right. that's me. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving me what I'm suspecting is too much time. No, I was trying fine. to look for a good time to cut this off earlier. And I, I feel like in the future, I'll know to do it sooner. 
Um, we were in the pocket. We probably should have just ended right at the alchemist thing, but I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the upcoming. Yeah. There's some features. other stuff that I wanted to pick your brain about too, but it's fine. Again, thanks for coming on. No thanks everybody for listening. You know, subscribe to broken Silicon, your podcast app of choice. Give us a review on Apple podcast. It helps us find people outside of YouTube. Subscribe to Moore's Law is Dead and ring the bell button on YouTube as well. And consider supporting us on Patreon to submit questions. But I don't want to plug any more. Don't want to waste any more of your time. All right. Thanks for coming on, Brian. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me. And I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co hosted by my brother, Dan. Audio editing by Gerard Cortez and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Patecki, Muhammad Alkwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Journey, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Ivan Gay, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Forbin, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Calmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valco Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamtum G. Spamtum, Jonathan, Lord Starscream, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Hacker, Dominique Cock, Jake Two twenty-three. Jake Martin, my name is nobody. Caillou Markelly, Hartforum.com, Original Ross, Licky, Stefan, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stefan Hart, Jason B, Meat and Pork Stew, Tim Rob, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jaskowiak, Travis Gooding, The Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ah Trinee, Patrick Crow, Amy Will Chief, Brett Summers, Any Nguyen, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kunden, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, Mac Daffy, Delmine Peterson, James Anderson. 
Dwight Truey, Mark Raidmaker, Seth Thomas, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Norithio, Matthew Landavaza, Stefan, Cole Attic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Brendan O'Connell, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337, Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Zabito 3, Desist, Thomas A. Teef, Klein, Britannian, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Axel Cisneros, Royce Mayer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Morpheus, Teak Autumn, Jake Miller, Jackson Miller, Jess MMH, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, David Eastland, Cameron, Andre Jacques, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Sadler, A. Eric Osborne, Loophole 35, Winstar, Joker, James I. Radner, Corey Leonard, Sammy Moss, John Shin, Justin Buttle, Kelfin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Davies, Nal Lima, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>